the blast from our past network. Lock your doors, close your windows, turn out your lights, for chills and thrills await you. It's time for Podcasting After Dark with your hosts, Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer. Stay with a friend, say your prayers as grisly ghouls close in to seal your doom. Tonight's episode, Demons 2, starring David Edwin Knight, Coralina Cataldi Tassoni, and Bobby Rhodes. We're back, back, back in the demons groove. <laughs> We're back, bow, back in the demons groove. Here we are in our respective homes. Corey Stevenson, Zach Schaefer, and of course, David Irons is joining us again for Back in the Demons 2, Demons 2. <laughs> this movie will answer the question, if you break your He-Man toys ever for just play, if you break Snake Mountain, then a zombie will come and it will eat your face. <laughs> But deservedly so. If you break Snake Mountain, Snake, Snake Mountain, Snake Mountain. Let's be serious for a second. Let's be serious. We'll get into this as the uh, as the per, as the breakdown progresses. But the kid breaks. He's got broken pieces of Snake Mountain. Not okay. Not okay. Not okay. okay. And then also, I wish <laughs> I had Snake Mountain growing up. I only had Castle Grayskull. I had the slime yeah, pit. Yeah, I that had was, Castle. Was that Hordak uh, slime pit? Well, was that? Well, don't that put uh, don't put Mossman in the slime pit though. He's fucked. No, he's gone. He's, he's finished. Or, <laughs> or who's the who's the furry guy in uh, Shira? Uh, oh Hordax yeah. guy. Oh Grizz- Grizzlore. 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 Yeah. The bra- he's brown Grizzlore. furry guy, wasn't he? Yeah, another guy. <laughs> yep. I mean, yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. But you could put Stinkor in there, and you might, he might actually smell a little bit better. You know what's yeah. funny? <laughs> I don't know what it is—the perfume or whatever—like to make Stinkor, but I will occasionally catch a whiff of it, you know, out in public, and I'll just be like. <gasps> Stinkor, you know, like it'll just yeah. immediately spark that that memory in me. I believe that uh, scent is titled Jeffrey Brownstein. That's the name <laughs> of the scent. <laughs> no, I have no idea. Um, but yeah, guys, we're not talking TV Obscura. We're not talking Toy Obscura. We're talking Demons too. David Irons is back with us. He was there. He was with us last episode where we broke down Demons. And if you have not listened to that episode. Uh, you're not missing too much if you jump into this first and then watch that one second. It doesn't matter. But uh, we are going to discuss Demons 2 today. But before we do that, David, uh, it's really uh-huh. great to have you back on our show. It's always wonderful to be back with you guys, Zach Baby and Corey Baby, as as ever, as ever. Um, yeah, no, I really appreciate it. I loved last time. I loved doing Demons 1. That was, um, I thought it was great. It was a good conversation. I had a lot of fun. Well, this is your... This is... We're doing we're doing this for you. This I did so this for me. You, it's for me. Uh, and Corey, you broke down Demons One before, but now you get to be the audio commentary as I break down scene by scene. How are you doing, Sleazy C? I'm doing good, man. And uh, we're recording this like about uh, two days after Demon One dropped, and uh, it's already just tearing up the charts. It's already doing well. I'm already getting feedback on the episode uh, that everyone is loving it. So I, I will echo what Zach says. And thank you, David, for, for being on these two episodes. And I'm just I'm really happy to be talking about Demons 2 because this uh, this viewing, you know, this current viewing was my first viewing. And I have a lot of thoughts on this movie. Well, Mostly well, good. Well, <laughs> that's good. That's I, I good. texted. That's good. 
I texted the group, the three of uh, the three of us, including myself, the royal we, um, <laughs> the other day, and I said I've watched this movie three times now in the past week, and I'm not mad about that. Yeah, <laughs> so, I gotta yeah. say um, I liked it actually more my second viewing because I understood what was happening and I you know could wasn't as shocked by what was coming and uh, you know this kind of leads into my experience with the film. Um, yeah, please. Yeah, for, first viewing with uh, my wife a couple weeks ago and then second viewing uh, now. You know, yes, last night taking notes and everything. And yeah, I think uh, it, it's it's one of those movies that repeated viewings I think opens up doors for you and you can kind of see where things are going and everything and very much enjoyed it. I enjoyed it the first time, but I actually enjoyed it more the second time watching it. Yeah, I I mean, well, I will concur with you on that. I'll I'll, I'll get into my background with Demons 2 really quickly, but before I do, David, what's your background yeah. with Demons 2? Um, I remember cuz they these two came out really close together, didn't they? They were yeah, like a they year did apart. within, within yeah, a year. Yeah. Within within a year, yeah. And I remember these two sitting on the video shelf when I was too young to watch them. And I, I like I said in the previous episode, the uh, we we rented Demons One from the video shop, and uh, we saw that. But I knew there was a Demons Two, but the the store that would because we were kids, we were like twelve, thirteen. But they would they'd let us just okay, it's an eighteen rated film, just take it, but don't tell anyone. Okay, fine. But they never had Demons Two in that store, and it went by years. Uh, I would say it was mid-90s, and um, I think I've mentioned this before, that over here we have um, car boot sales, which are essentially garage sales for you guys. But Everyone just meets in like a parking lot, empties the back of their car, and with the crap in their car, they just lay it out on like a piece of tarpaulin and sell it, stuff like that. And um, I found, it was mid-90s, and I found Demons 2 there. Um, and I... I just rushed home to watch it because I've been looking because back then it was so hard to if, if it, it went to VHS and it just just went to hell it just vanished into the obscurity of the world and you couldn't find right. this stuff anywhere and um, I rushed home to watch this thing and I was really I kind of feel that Corey's first view and I have no idea what how Corey feels about this but I felt there was it was quite jarring at first going into it knowing what happened at the end of Demons 1 it was like, oh, yeah. that, that, that's kind of solved. That problem in Demons 1 is kind of solved. And we're moving on to an extension of the story, but not in a way that I would think it was going to move on. From, from the end of Demons 1, you think it'd be some kind of survivalist horror, people still right. fighting for that city of zombies, but it kind of resets itself and, and moves forward with the story. So I was kind of shocked by that at first. I was surprised by that, and I didn't know how I felt. But then subsequent viewings of it, I've really... Uh, I think he's up there. I'm not going to give it a review or anything now, like the full the full uh, uh, thing at the end, the full numbers. of I'd give it out of ten or whatever else, but uh, it's it's grown on me. It's in a healthy way, in a healthy way. Yeah, unlike yeah, the demon sure. virus. <laughs> unlike the demon virus. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was I was shocked that it was it was a pickup from the first movie. I I would have been totally not surprised. If it was just like a almost like a Return of the Living Dead two scenario where where they just sort of retell it sort of and it doesn't yeah. it has like sort of a loose mm. connection to the the first one but yeah. I was pleasantly surprised that it's a full on connection and then in this world that they've created we've lost a whole city now you know like they, yeah, yeah. they've lost a city and I was like that's that's really cool for me sometimes and we'll elaborate on it it's the coming out of the TV stuff that kind of throws me for a loop on whether I like it or not, which is kind of the barrier 
for why I wasn't really a big fan as a kid of video of the dead or whatever that we've talked about before with you, David. It's just, man, my suspension of disbelief has a hard time, you know, swallowing that, that premise, that MacGuffin. But I think that's one of the things on the second viewing, I wasn't as startled by it. So I could actually sit back and enjoy it. And there's, there's actually some things I like about it. And I'll talk about those specifics um, when we get into the actual breakdown, but I think that's where my biggest shock was. Like, oh, they come out of the TV now. All right, interesting. Well, it's kind of it's almost like the film within a film gives you the story that you want, but you don't start off on the story. You start off at a point in the story that you wasn't expecting, but the film within a film starts off the story that you want to see because it goes back to right. that city and it's been, yeah. yeah. And I think that first bit where it's just like, oh, everything's fine. There's a high rise and there's people partying and it's life. Life is normal. And it's like, well, life shouldn't be as normal after all that stuff. Like, life should be anything but normal. Everyone should yeah, be Yeah, everyone should be glued to paranoia. the TV, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, that, holy that's... shit, demons existed. What the fuck? Yeah, the, the world has changed completely after yes, that point. 100%, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. We got well, people we just got dancing to Morrissey in an apartment. Like, okay, panic in the streets of London. Let's go. It's all good. It's fine. Yeah, I, I, I never, <laughs> right. I never kind of got that on the first, on the first viewing. I was like, oh yeah, this isn't giving me what I want. But when you get to that, fi- the film within a film, the TV show within a film, or the, whatever it is, it's, that that gives you what you want from the end of Demons. You see. You see the, the the apocalyptic end of the world stuff, and it, it is satisfying in that way. But it's that jarring. It's the first seven eight minutes when you just it's like, what is this? Is, are we ignoring the first one now? Is this okay? Just let's do something. Right, right, and in in you know, playing Morrissey or the Smiths <laughs> in any respect always takes me out of a movie, <clears throat> or it takes me out of not a huge fan of that band no offense no offense i'm sure we have a large audience for that and it's all good um but johnny marr johnny marr is great from the smiths i'll just throw that out there too i will really quickly say my background with demons too is uh, i didn't see it until the 90s as well when um uh, hollywood video opened up in sunnyvale california and i was renting movies on my own and hollywood video was the was the uh, wicked stepbrother to uh, Blockbuster was the family owned uh, video store that had like the R rated versions, but not the unrated versions. They didn't carry movies that were too risque because every family could go in there. Every child could rent a movie and it would be harmless, allegedly. Um, And then Hollywood video came out. I believe the getaway came out with Kim Basinger and Alec Baldwin and Blockbuster had the R rated version and, Hollywood video had the unrated version and I was very much interested in the unrated version. And so I went and rented that and and uh over the course of that year I was like Hollywood video is great. They have every movie you could think of for a large chain and they had Demons 2 and I was always like I want to rent this movie. I don't uh maybe it'll be good. Maybe it'll, maybe it'll be good and I have a buddy of mine named Jamal he and I would have our Friday horror nights and that was one we selected and we were thoroughly surprised and and uh happy with the overall results and i think that's what we'll i think that's the conclusion all three of us will have at the end of this review but we'll get to that later because of course a lot of returning uh people behind the scenes pretty much the entire behind the scenes pretty much the entire cast 
<laughs> yeah, the entire cast, with the exception of like three people, and I'll note them as well. Uh, and then, you know, two returning actors who uh, I'm very happy to see in different roles in this. Um, but Lumberto Bava comes back, Dario Argento, of course. However, one of the few different factors that this movie has from the first one is its composer. Simon Boswell is the composer for Demons 2. Um, Corey, what's your familiarity with Simon Boswell? <clears throat> He's the composer for motherfucking hardware, baby! Richard <laughs> Stanley's hardware. And uh, guys and gals, just going to let you know, we are talking to Richard Stanley about an interview, an upcoming interview. So we almost have it locked in, and uh, by the time you hear this, by the time you actually you hear this, if all goes well, it might have already happened. <gasps> yeah, and Simon Boswell... <laughs> I mean, that's huge. And, and if you want more info about that, go sign up to our Patreon, patreon.com slash podcasting after dark. Um, but he also composed the score for uh, Danny Boyle's Shallow Grave, which is one of Danny Boyle's strongest films, in my opinion. Are you familiar with that movie, David? Shallow Grave? I very much am. Being, being a, a fan of cinema, uh, Danny Boyle's Shallow Grave is a fantastic slab of British cinema. No, I love it. Yeah, oh, I really, oh, it's so good. Yeah, it's so good. Um, no, I really like Simon. Simon Boswell's a good guy. Uh, I shared a picture on Instagram and Facebook. I've got the hardware soundtrack on cassette. And like you, Zach, baby, I walk around with the Rockin' the Walkman still. And uh, I shared a picture of the should. Walkman, as I should, exactly. Um, and, and that's going at you, Corey, as you should too. Um, <laughs> and, uh, I, uh, I shared a picture of, the, of my Walkman with uh, the hardware soundtrack and Simon Boswell actually got in contact and said, Look, I can't believe you're still walking around. I, I, he thought it was great. He just thought it was really good. He was like, I can't believe there's someone out on planet Earth walking around listening to my music on a Walkman. It's just like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's cool. Like, uh, it's all good. It is but cool. He's a good guy. He's a good guy. And the interesting thing is um, he's from over here. He's British and he... He, um, when he did the soundtrack to Demons 2, he actually composed it uh, in a flat in Hackney, East London, where I'm, it was an area that I kind of grew up around. And when I found out that, that it was his first job, Demons 2, and he got that, and it, I don't know, it kind of made things feel a bit more real to me when I found that out, that that happened somewhere where I used to live and hang around and everything. I was like, wow, that, that, that thing that I love so much happened here. It, it kind of blew my mind slightly. Right. Right, versus like a huge soundstage. Yeah, in, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know. Well, I yeah, got to say, yeah. too, I mean, we all know Zach is kind of the bit more musically inclined of the two of us, but I really took note of the music in this movie, and I've, I love the first one, the music in the first one, but this one really stood out to me, especially um, whatever the, I guess, the main theme, that's what they play on the, the, the Synapse Blu-ray, you know, title screen mm -hmm. and everything. I think that's probably the main, the main theme. It's also, like, what plays at the end of the movie and everything. Um, I love it. I think it's a fantastic score. Yeah, I actually think the songs are more thought out in this movie uh, for some songs, not all of them, but for to give uh, more tone uh, than the first one did. And I won't point out every one of the songs that's featured. Maybe Corey, if, if I don't, he'll, Corey might chime in with one that stands out to him. Well, well there, there is one that has a connection to hardware as well. And uh, I haven't noted when it is. So if you don't call it out, then I will call it out. But We'll, we'll sort of save that for it comes about midway through the movie. So we'll save it for then. Mm -hmm. But there will be another hardware connection. There you go. Yeah. And of course, as we've said many times before, bad soundtrack in a good movie makes a mediocre movie 
great soundtrack in a bad movie elevates said movie. Yeah. Yeah, Teen for Wolf, sure. Teen Wolf and uh, Teen no, I'm not Wolf saying two. that this movie. <laughs> I'm not saying this movie's bad. I'm saying this movie's very enjoyable, well, and the soundtrack has a big part of that. Well, I think. I mean, I think we can have that conversation. I mean, I think most people like this would fall under the quote unquote bad movie category by by your average stiff, you know. Yes, and and I and I think that's okay. Like just because we love it, I still consider it a quote-unquote bad movie but i still love it and i don't think that should always be like a, a scarlet letter a, a negativity type of thing yeah but when well, we look i at, will say oh, sorry, sorry, no no when we looked at demon's one and was mentioning the soundtrack on that that and and they list the bands on the on the cover and the poster and everything else like the stars of the film they're, they're they're there front and center so you can see this and i think that that definitely helps elevate the whole thing that that you have that quality you have a 10 star soundtrack and it, and you put it onto a, a bad film and instantly it makes it feel like a quality bad film at least because you know they've taken some some time to actually put this stuff together and and it's it's interesting the tonal change from demons one to demons two because demons one is pretty much the hair metal stuff and 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 the like, go west pop songs and this is you going into the alternative kind of new romantic kind of British bands totally. and stuff. And I think I think Simon Boswell must have had a hand in this, like selecting these songs to go on this soundtrack because it it, it feels from that kind of era the kind of things that British people were listening to. to you know, especially when you got the Smiths turning up on there, it just cut to that that hard cut to the Smiths. It's like okay, right, this is happening. Fine. Yeah, I get it. Look, yeah. I get it. And and I know I know people who love the Smiths. It's like people who love the Cure. They'll they'll eat up every little thing that the band does. And I totally respect that. If you love a band, that's great. But, so yeah, it feels very authentic, very timely. Exactly. Zach, Zach, <laughs> well, and David, the, to your the, point, the Cure like of the Smiths, the Cure of the Smiths, Zach. That's the. Oh, go. I'll go Cure all day. Oh, I see. I'll go Smiths. Oh, you would. I would. Yeah. This is our one of the very few things David and I probably differ on. Yeah, maybe. Wait, well, Corey's and, and, decide, and, deciding factors. Corey, what, what's the deciding factor on this? Uh, Nephilim, I'll go with Fields on. of yeah. Nephilim. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but but to that point though, uh, you know, he's he's listed as the composer under you know sound uh, department. There's five people, but they're all like subtitles or, or you know that kind of stuff. There's no like. I, I do wonder who actually picked the the music in this movie. Was it the director? Was it the producer? Was it uh, the composer? You know, who actually put them in? Because um, no one is listed. And, and I guess on bigger budget movies, the composer would be doing the score, but then I guess the sound designer? Uh, no, they usually do, like, footsteps and stuff. It's like, normally producers, picks? isn't it? It's normally producers. Like, yeah. it, it, now it would be producers coming in going, oh, my God, we've got this totally hot song and it needs to go in here. And, okay. and you're like, well, this, this doesn't fit, but, oh, no, it's going to fit. Trust me. <laughs> and do they, do they converse that, with, like, it. the sound designer and kind of put it together with them, essentially? Oh, I- a good producer will, yeah. It, okay. it, it just, it just, it, I think it really just depends. It's if if you've got a good team going and and you actually want to make something quality, then you'd probably have people all kind of collaborating and working together to make the best thing. But it's kind of like yeah. real estate with songs and stuff, isn't it? It's okay. now it's 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 like we we have this new hot thing coming out. Well, look at um, for example, uh, Halloween Six. Um, you have that. Oh, Jesus, what's the what's the song at the end of Halloween Six? 
Um, and full shine on. And full shine on. That got in there because the lead singer is like Weinstein's cousin or something. There's, there's some relation. No way, really? Yeah, seriously, seriously. There was a connection. They're related somehow. So he, he kind of said like, oh, oh, can we do some of my song? And Harvey came in and went, this song, this is ending the motion picture, baby. Halloween, don't it just feel right? And you listen to it. By, think, br- by oh, the band Brother Kane. Brother Kane, that's Kane. it, yeah. And for Shine On. Shine On. That's a great song, by the way. I love it's not that bad, song. actually, yeah, but it feels. No, it's really good. It, at the end of the Halloween film, the, the thing you want to hear is, is the Halloween theme, isn't it? It cuts to black. I want, and, of course, and you want that. I, yeah, you don't want They Full blew Shine. it. There were moments in the movie where I'm like, that's where they should have played the song. That's where they should have played the song, but they didn't play the song. Yeah. They played some score. Yeah. So. Guys exactly. and gals, I just want to say. No editing was done. Zach just pulled that information out of his ass immediately when David was, like, thinking about it. And I just shook my head in disbelief at how quickly Zach could access that information. <laughs> He's Again, a very musical man. No editing man. was done He's whatsoever. He's a very musical man. <laughs> he is, dude. <laughs> Find out how good I am when uh, I believe Corey, well, at the end of October, Corey will be joining um, the trivia, Patreon trivia. Oh, I'm coming back? YouTube this is the first time hearing about it. <laughs> well, yeah, because uh, so uh, really quickly, t- uh, the last trivia we did for $2 late fee on Patreon on YouTube uh, I, I said that I would wear a Cobra Commander mask for the in, entire yes. episode, and I believe Corey's coming back because he won yes. the last trivia contest. Right, he has to defend his title, <laughs> and uh, against Dustin and myself, and Paul London will be the uh, trivia consultant or person, I suppose. So there anyway, we go. Stay tuned for that. Oh, I'm excited. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I really want to. I want to point out uh, quickly the cast. I'm just going to name maybe three or four people that are notable. Uh, David Edwin Knight plays uh, George, and he was in a movie with uh, Sandra Bullock, one of her favorite, f- one of her one of her first films she did called Who Shot Pat. He's the lead actor in that, I believe. Um, he doesn't have an IMDb photo, so I won't. I am. He doesn't have an IMDb photo, so I won't give him any more credit well, than that. Well, he doesn't have any more credits than that. That is literally oh, it. Mind. It's Demons Two and Who Shot Pat. And I gotta say, like, where the hell did he go? Because he is a <laughs> stud farm in this movie, and I, I loved him. I thought they did a great sort of like Clark Kent bait and switch at the beginning to how he you know, turns out at the end, and I'm like, holy fucking shit. And he's only yeah, done this totally. and, and who shot Pat. It's like, where the hell Corey, did he go? That's, that's the most perfect way to put it, the Clark Kent syndrome. It really yeah. is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah I get that Gla- Glasses he, and everything. Yeah, and at the end, he's He-Man. He takes everything yeah, off. He's, and got, he's ripped. Yeah. He's got pecs and abs, and I'm like, <laughs> oh, my God, oh my God I've, I've got the vapors. I'm like, my God. I was like, give George, you guy. can rescue me any day. <laughs> yeah, give me that guy over uh, three or four of the other people who played superman in the past few movies yeah. give me that guy overall oh, yeah that. seriously yeah um nancy Brilli, nancy Brilli plays hannah uh she's been in a bunch of italian movies and that's about it because she doesn't have an imdb photo so there you go <laughs> uh coralina cataldi tassoni she plays sally the main the main zombie in there the main demon in this she is that one of the big differences between this movie and, well, I guess not. Goretta was kind of the main demon in the first one, but this one is a more featured demon, yeah. a leader of the demons. Yeah, yeah, she gets a lot more screen time than Goretta Goretta's Rosemary did in the first one. And I I love her. I love her 
look of anguish in her eyes. Like it's almost as if the, the, the human behind the demon, like her soul is trying to, or like through her eyes, her soul is like witnessing all the horrible things that the demon is doing. Um, I think she brings a lot of weirdly, like a lot of humanity to the demon role. And I love it. And angst. Yeah. And angst. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I, I like her better when she's a demon than before she becomes a demon. Me too. And she also borrows the same vocal print uh, as a demon that, evil ed had in um fright night i believe it sounds like it (laughs) yeah i I know exactly what you're talking about yeah you know i'm talking about i know what you're talking about she um, she was uh she was in the phantom of the opera by the way by dario argento well i've got a funny do you know guys let's be frank for a second i'll be frank for a second (laughs) the um the uh i think i'll be be corey yeah you'd be be hank instead of frank (laughs) i'll be anything you want me to be exactly um (laughs) I, that I on my YouTube page, it's available in some countries. I think it's available in Brazil, but it's been blocked through the rest of the world. But um, I found a uh, TV special that was filmed around this time. It hasn't ever been on a Blu-ray or anything else, and it was. Um, it's all in Italian, so I've got no hope of knowing exactly what the hell was going on. But it's Dario Argento just um, sitting in, in a studio talking. And just showing these really short horror films that he's made, and they're like a couple of minutes oh. each. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, and it goes on for two hours. There's so many of these short stories. And uh, during this, um, the girl that plays Sally, she uh, she's actually there with him on stage, hanging around him. And like I say, everything's Italian. And through their body language, I, I think old Dario might have been giving her a little something extra on that set, you know? Because around that time, <laughs> he broke up with his wife, and you see them together, and it's like. Mm. There's, I, I feel there's something going on here. There's, there's, it, you she's feel my a bit, muse. Yeah, she's my no muse. She's the best. Let's go behind the yeah. scenes and test some of that demon Woo-hoo. makeup, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I think that there was something going on there. It's, uh, and it's kind I of interesting be... to watch her um, just uh, being herself and the way she moves. Um, I think she's a dancer, like we were talking about before. Yeah, uh, yeah. The way she comes out on st- on this stage with Dara, and she's kind of there's like props there, and she's moving amongst these props. I'll try and find this thing and give you guys a link to it so you, you can see it. And it's um, yeah, it's kind of interesting, and you, you kind of get why he used her for this role, just looking at her in person on a stage moving. Right. Yeah. So I think I think he made a wise choice getting her to be the main demon. I think she does bring a lot to it, like you guys were saying. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll have more about her when we get to her. I'm like 10 minutes into the movie, basically. But um, a few more notable people. Bobby Rhodes is back. A boy, Bobby Rhodes. But he's playing Hank, the uh, fitness instructor slash gym rat leader. Uh, so good. Bobby Rhodes. We love Bobby Rhodes. You're all muscle and no brains, boy. Boy. Hold <laughs> a pin. Okay. And I guess um, also his back is his. It's the same voice actor, right? Like It, it seems 100%. like they're almost like a yeah. pairing, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's like, Sounds like it. The one voice actor is like, I only do Bobby Rhodes' voice. That's it. <laughs> Go on my website, Bobby Rhodes. Not BobbyRhodes.com. Asia <laughs> uh, or Asia Argento plays Ingrid. So a little shout out to a young Asia Asia. Um, you know, we know who she is, obviously. Virginia Bryant, she plays Mary the Prostitute. Mary the Prostitute. My, my name is Mary Middle name, the, the. last name, prostitute. <laughs> Dude, she was in The Barbarians, man. <laughs> Love that freaking movie. I know you uh, do. Star. She's the star of Demons 3, the ogre. She's the main girl in it. 
Oh, okay. oh there you go. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, she can. So, so we need to. At some point, I'm just going to put it out there. At some point, it might not be anytime soon, but I do think at some point we should do a double feature again with David and do the church and the ogre. Oh, <laughs> what a. One of those things isn't like the other one, but they're fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh boy, and oh boy. I've been vetoed. <laughs> no, I'm, op- I'm open to it. I'll do it. Um, I'll do and it. then uh, last person I'll shout out on my end is Lino Salamine, uh, who play or Salamine, Salamine. He plays the security guard. I believe his name's Frank because at one point um, yeah. Hannah calls Frank on the sa- on the uh, little the paging system and he doesn't pick up. He plays a security guard. We know him, of course, from the first Demons movie. Uh, he was Ripper. playing Ripper. Ripper. Yeah. Ripper, not to be confused with Ripper from the Dreadnoughts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, I I like this. Uh, I, I mean, I guess it's probably because I grew up on Return of the Living Dead and Return of the Living Dead Part Two, but I love when they use the same actors like this, he's kind of the only one, um, but it's cool. It, it, and like we talked about before, it, it gives it this dreamlike quality to it. This movie is all dream. And that's why it gets a huge pass in my opinion for many of the flaws that'll come up because it's one of those fever dreams. If yeah. you, if you will. Now, before we jump in um, again, we're going to say that Zach and I uh, watched the synapse uh, Blu-rays, the, the two-pack that came out. And I remember, David, uh, you and I had a discussion back when this was even announced, and you were like, well, I have the Arrow, you know, version, so I don't really see the need for this. And I got to say, on the um, the Demons 2 Blu-ray, they include the uh, that visual essay um, from the Arrow release. Uh, what was it called? Uh, Together and Apart. Um, and I think that was on the Arrow release because when you watch the doc, that little 20 minute documentary, it starts with Arrow video at the beginning. And I was like, that's, I was like, but I'm watching Synapse. That's so weird, but okay. So I don't know. Does this have anything extra, David, that the Arrow doesn't have? Did they, or does this have everything the the Arrow does have? I think it's got, well, yeah, I think it's got everything. It's even got, because the original uh, DVD release had, uh, audio commentaries with Lombardo Barber. And this one does too. Yeah, yeah. I've I've got them somewhere. Do you remember when you used to when DVDs first came out and they came in like the the jewel cases? They were like elongated CD cases, and they were just all clear plastic rather yeah, than clamshell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. When when Demons One and Two were first released, then um, you got a Lamberto Barber commentary track, and then it disappeared on all subsequent releases. But on the Synapse version and the Arrow version, you get that. I think you get every piece of additional material you can get on that arrow stroke synapse release. Hmm. I think everything's there. So okay. you, you even get previous arrow, because there was a really, I don't, don't even uh, know if you remember, we were talking about it, and I was saying about there was a really bad audio dub. Do you remember there was problems with the original arrow release? Yeah. In a tin yeah. box set. Yeah, it was really, they didn't have the international soundtrack on Demons 1. Um, oh. It was just the American dub. Um, but Did they, they send had, out replacement discs? No, no, that's just what it was. That's all they used. Oh, they just put okay. that version out. Yeah, and everyone was like, this isn't what we thought it was going to be. We wanted that version. And they kind of ignored it for years. Then they put the, the, the international version out, the one, the, the Arrow box set, the double thing. And br- but that, really the- quick, does the Arrow box set include the cool little supplements? like the Because uh, the Synapse version has a cool sa- uh, invitation to Sally's birthday party in it. And yeah. It has a ticket to the Metropole Theater yeah. for Demons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got those both are of those really cool props. That that ticket for the Metropole needs to go in a frame. I feel 
I forgot it was in there until I opened it up, and I thought, yeah, this is this needs to be displayed somewhere. Yeah, it's on that like gold lame paper, whatever print. It's really beautiful. That if you're if you're a fan of one of these movies, well, we highly recommend you pick up the whole set yeah. because it's just a really nice testament. There's a poster in there too. It's a testament to an appreciation to all the people. Whether you whether you think this movie is bonkers cheese ball or whether you think it's you know Lawrence of Arabia, like the bottom line is people put their hard effort into this film and it. It's original. It's original. It doesn't feel like anybody's, you know, bit off uh, like they they're biting off anybody else. And and, you know, I'll give the kid a pass. The little Italian Joey Lawrence. I'll give him a pass for breaking his He-Man toys. And uh, <laughs> with whoa. that being said, whoa, <laughs> with that being said, let's pop our veins out for Demons 2. movie opens very blankly on the uh demons logo black 
credit sequence in the beginning fills about five minutes of time. <laughs> I'm like, oh, man, it's could have Okay. Cut this movie by five minutes and just giving us the credits over the opening sequence. But that's fine. Um, there's a really cool narration. The narrator says a terrifying centuries old prediction foretold the spawning of demons on Earth. That prediction came true when spectators in a movie theater were transformed into bloodthirsty fanged creatures and spread death and contagion, days of terror that convinced the world demons can exist. Very creepy narration. I love a creepy narration. Yes, absolutely. Great. Yes. And it's also it's cool because it picks up right where the first movie left off, and I thought that was awesome. Like my jaw dropped. I was like, "Oh my god!" Like, "Wow, that's great." I love this yeah. premise. But that's the right, prob- that's right. the only so- problem though. That you get that if you had that over some footage of like the 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 um uh, the wasteland in the film within a film where everything's destroyed. The I forbidden think that zone. Been the forbidden zone, and I think that would have been kind of like T2, the opening of T2, yeah. you could have had that yeah. kind of look. Uh, yeah, I, I think that would have been good. But that that's where it jars, because you get that, and you, and you get in your mind, okay, we're going straight back into it. They exist, this is happening, and then you go, boom, into this this other thing, this where it all kicks off in an apartment block. You're like, oh, okay, everything's kind of fine for this apocalyptic yeah. event. It's okay, yeah. You're, te- yeah. you're telling me one thing, you. and you're showing me something else, but okay, I'm still here for the ride. I'm still here for the ride. I, I agree with you. It would have been nicer to open this up with the intro to the documentary with like a generic logo of the TV station, maybe the TV station that's next door to the hotel or exactly. to the high rise um, and, and a news reporter kind of introing it. That would have been cool, but they didn't do that. Instead, they went with a bloody knife. Well, you think it's bloody because it's got a red substance dripping on it. And then you see a man shuffling uh, kind of like a zombie in a room and then suddenly you realize you, you see another shot of this man behind a, um, uh, a, a, a a darkly lit window so you see his profile and he picks up said knife and it turns out to be raspberry jelly for a birthday cake that he's writing uh, happy birthday to Sally on it very poorly by the way <laughs> so it's so it's some sort of bakery that's going on that's where you're that's the uh, like oh gotcha moment. That's yeah. fun. That's first, a nice little bait yeah. and switch. I oh, like it. I thought yeah, it was yeah. great. Yeah, I, thought I thought it was good. great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Quick cut to the lobby uh, of a high-rise hotel apartment complex. Security guard Ripper. <laughs> Security guard Dreadnought Ripper. Ripper. We have to just call him Ripper the entire <laughs> time. To. Security guard Ripper. <laughs> Can we call him Security Guard Dreadnought Ripper because the Dreadnoughts <laughs> did a security guard angle oh, yeah, and it looked very cool. I remember that. In, uh, um, he greets a beautiful woman, Mary, the prostitute. Yeah, Mary, yeah. Middle, middle name, the. <laughs> and he directs her up to apartment 206, and she knows where it is, wink, wink, because she's been there before. And I got to say, uh, I kind of put this with shivers in that category of like oh, yeah. of a yeah. weird, interesting time in humanity when we had this fascination with these like these high rises that were also like all encompassing and they were almost like, you know, castles, if you, as you, you know, if you will, um, cause they have like shops in them and gyms in them. And, and we don't see that anymore now, really. Um, but it, it's such a fascinating time, uh, when we sort of like invested as, as, as a species, we invested in these giant, the 
skyscrapers for living in. And, you know, people still do, but they've moved all the the gyms and all the stores and stuff out into the world so people would have to, you know, leave their their said high-rise. But, yeah, this I, I kind of put this next to Shivers in that regard. It's funny you bring that up because I thought about it in the 80s when I first moved to California, and they were building a building like this not too far from where I lived. And, and, and the idea was you never have to leave. Everything's there. And I'm like... That's kind of weird. Right? When you think about it, like, that's leave? weird. Yeah. Yeah, that's terrifying. That's terrifying. Yeah. Like, you're, so it's like, oh, no one can get in, but it's like, oh, but you're trapped. And then but Zach no also, maybe some shades of someone, somebody's watching me, you know? True. Wait, what a way to bring that up. Sorry. <laughs> 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 no, and if you want to know about somebody's watching me, directed by John Carpenter, go check out our Patreon exclusive show, The Carpenter Factor. Yes. <laughs> Patreon.com slash podcasting after all. There's, there's a lot to, of these things uh, turning up here. There's a lot of these things turning up here. These uh, like malls and things here, like short, small shopping centers, and they're turning them into like living complexes. There's one in my town. There's one again, in my town. Yeah. It has a department store, and it's been there for something stupid like 60 years. And, uh, and it's all like Art Deco staircase and everything in there. It's like really nice, like three, four stories. And uh, they're just gutting the thing and turning it into apartments. But they're leaving some of the stuff in there that was originally there, like the, all these really nice stairways and stuff, and just building apartments into parts of that was different departments of the store. Do you know what I mean? There was like a clothing department, yeah. and they're separating it all up into into actual living apartments. <laughs> and uh, everyone here, they're, they're, everyone's up in arms. Like you can't do stuff like that. But it's very much this. It's like what we're talking about now. It's the same thing, isn't it? It's, it, it's that. You don't have to leave. Everything's here. It's, uh, it's, it's that style of living. The more we go into the future, the more we revert to the past. Always. There's a Speaking T-shirt. Of... Podcasting After Dark T-shirt coming. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, from there, we are introduced to George, who's walking into the high rise. Says hi. He says hi to people as he walks by. And he gets to the elevator where Mary is, and she can't take her eyes off him. She is, well, it starts with the letter F with her eyes. <laughs> and he glances back at her very quickly because he's a gentleman. <clears throat> he is a gentleman. He's a gentle Cut superman. A, yes, he is. Cut to a bunch of teenagers who will soon find out are Sally's guests at her birthday inside the elevator that, Mar- that Mary, the prostitute, and George are waiting for. Uh, and they're messing with the buttons on the on the on the door on the elevator. Uh, suddenly, the door opens, and the security guard yells at him. You know, he's like, "Hey, come on! This is a respectable building. Come on, Zach, hey, say him by his full, name. He, Give him his goes, name. He goes Sorry. full ripper. He goes full ripper. Yeah, he does. Doesn't security he? guard, <laughs> security guard, dreadnought ripper. There you go. Uh, suddenly appears. <laughs> suddenly appears and says, "Hey, this is a respectable building. Get out. Put some respect Hell on his blimey. name, man. <laughs> Let me just ask you guys something for a second. Back in the day, yeah, if you was if you was with your friends." In, a, in an elevator, yeah. And one of these assholes has a screwdriver messing with the electrics. Would you all be in there laughing, going, hey, this is a really no. great time? No. no. You'd want to fucking kill the guy, wouldn't you? You'd want to kill no, him. No, these are worse than fucking the, the hooligans in the first movie. Ripper's hooligans. These these kids are doing more damage than they were. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I had a buddy of mine who was a tagger. 
and every opportunity he would get, he would tag stuff. And I, I'm not, I'm not a tagger. And we'd be, we'd be somewhere and there'd be a, a glass window and suddenly he'd pull out this little rock and start etching his tag on there. I'm like, what are you doing, dude? He's like, leave my mark. I'm like, I don't want to get in trouble. Same deal here. <laughs> well, that's the same thing, Zach, with um, like, you know, in LA, you see it a lot, like stickers and stuff on, on stop signs and stuff. Come I'm on. like, I'm like, I don't, I would never, first off, I would never do that with like a pad sticker. And I also wouldn't want someone else to do it. And I'm just like, so we're the assholes now. You know, I just, I don't right. like that mentality. It's, it's sure. I get it. It's it's marketing and everything in, in some sort of like guerrilla way, but I don't think you should ever market and have it be vandalism. No, come on, idiots. So Dreadnought Gripper, <laughs> security guard Dreadnought Gripper, <laughs> thank you. Uh, following Zartan's orders is uh, correct in his assessment of uh, you know being respectable. Yes. Cut to a woman doing uh, sit-ups with a pregnant belly, reminded me of uh, my fourth grade PE teacher, and I'm like, oh that. That belly looks familiar, except she wasn't pregnant. Um, <laughs> Yeesh. I don't know if that's appropriate or not, but whatever. Uh, the apartment, she's doing sit-ups, and uh, the apartment is decorated with a bunch of plants. So I'm like, ooh, my wife would love this place. And uh, she's looking at an exercise book, and George comes home. This is Hannah. We're in- introduced to Hannah, George's wife. And uh, he's like, what are you doing? <laughs> what's it look like i'm doing and she's like i'm giving oxygen to the baby he says hey you know sally's having a party you know sally's having a party it's gonna be difficult to sleep tonight and dude i gotta put this apartment up there with uh lucinda dickey's apartment and ninja three the domination pretty good yeah it's it's got that neon sign in it and everything uh word yeah (laughs) another word i love it i think it's it's fantastic and i'm definitely putting this in like my top five movie apartments up there with lucinda dickies i i think it's fantastic the 80s man had such great movie apartments it's really good another good one though zach jack deaths in um in trancers beautiful yes that's sexy jack that is sexy That really is. No, I can. I, I love it. The, the thing in Sally's apartment, if you look in Sally's apartment, this is what I've always found quite interesting. You don't see this in full. I'm pretty damn sure you don't. But when you see like the point of view shots of her looking at the TV, there's a poster above her TV set. And there's like 8-bit block images on this poster. And I was kind of surprised yeah. because I, I don't remember in the 80s 8-bit artwork being 8-bit artwork do you know do you know what i mean by that like it wasn't yeah. really it wasn't looked at like it is now like you don't look at something and go, oh, that's 16-bit that's 8-bit but there's there's some kind of poster there that has like block 8-bit images on it and i, I thought that was I'd, I'd love to know what that was i'd love to know what that was because I, I back then i don't remember seeing anything like that around yeah the set decorating is definitely interesting um you know the, it, i feel like it's it's kind of generic like as much as i like it the the neon signs are generic they're like night yes it's Day. night <laughs> you know and um and, and then like there's a generic nagel i love the nagel mm. uh art you know of like uh duran duran used mm-hmm. and but but the sec decorator uses kind of like a generic version of that which i'm totally okay with um you know i i'm looking up set decoration i don't see art department maybe um Anyways, my point is, it looks really cool. Even if it's somewhat of a generic aesthetic, it, it just it, it definitely captures the vibe of the '80s. Uh, and like, like David said, we cut to Sally's apartment. And everyone's dancing to "Gene Loves Jezebel." <laughs> then that name always got me. I'm like, "Gene Loves Jezebel." Isn't a Jezebel like a 
bad person, but uh, well, it depends. Jezebel depends. Bond? It really does depend. It can depends be a good on what Jezebel like a, a Jezebel could be a very fun person. Let's just put it that way. That's true. Yeah. They're very yeah. fun. Everyone's dancing, having a good time. Um, random. I'm gonna call out a lot of random dudes and random dudettes. Random dude walks over to two women, uh, pouring him a soda, and he's like, "Is there anything else around here to drink?" And uh, and the woman's like, "Ask Sally." And they're like, "Well, where's Sally?" He cut to Sally with her ben fr- best friend. I believe her friend's name is Hola or Hula. Hol- Hula, yeah, it's something. Ula. The lady Ula, that's in that? the blue yeah. dress, yeah. Hula, yeah. Uh, and she's having a teen angst tantrum about her hair, about her dress, about everything. This is a terrible day. I'm like, whoo, boy. Uh, would not want to have a relationship with someone like this no. well why would you imagine going to a party <laughs> like she, th- this must be like normal behavior for her she, she seems pretty yes. uptight about everything and then everyone's like you we're gonna have a good time we're gonna go to her house and party oh, okay yeah that that <laughs> those two things again that one of these things isn't like the other one this doesn't make sense why, why are we going there go go and hang out with jacob he's fine he's, he's out he's having fun he doesn't know when to slow down in his bmw he's all good but sally <laughs> Jeez Louise, she's uh, what a drag. <laughs> I mean, like Jacob's racing to get to her house, and you're like, why? Yeah, I know. It doesn't fit. It doesn't. There's things that just and and you never really find out. We never find out whatsoever about what the relationship is between Jacob and Sally. But there's right Jacob here. Oh my god! And he's okay. Yeah, but I don't know. I, don't know. I love David's. I, by the way, I, I love David's generic American accent. It is literally <laughs> as bad as my generic uh, David British Irons. Accent. But that's my, <laughs> yeah. but, that, but that's my my impression of uh, a generic Italian American accent. But, uh, <laughs> that's Jacob's true. That's coming just, here. It's just. And that, it's it, funny it, because Myra listened to the Demons one episode yesterday, and she came in to tell me that, but she broke out into a David Irons American accent. She was. Oh, I just love listening to the one. And I was like, oh. David, have you possessed my wife? The answer is yes. Yeah, the answer is yes. And I'm okay and also- with that. <laughs> I love you, babe. And you too, Myra. Oh. Suddenly, Sally is distracted because her TV is on and it's playing the documentary the, and it's playing the documentary we referenced earlier in the movie. The narration belongs to that documentary. Uh, it's showing highlights of the ending of Demons 1 from a different, slightly different perspective. And um, suddenly Sally is like transfixed on this documentary. And you hear narration going on uh, during while she's kind of like being lulled into this trance. You know, the documentary saying, who were they? Where did they come from? Can it happen again? These are questions we're afraid to ask. Questions that demand an answer. Is it dangerous? And suddenly you're in the movie. You're in the documentary with a group of four. I call them like the Scooby-Doo team. You know, Mm. two women, two men. One's a photographer. Not all of them have names. So I'll point out the ones that do have names when we get to it. Uh, and they're on their way to the wasteland, the the land where Demons 1 ended. And they're excited to get good pictures with it. Uh, a good, They're excited to get good pictures of whatever they can take of the wasteland. It's a very cool kind of introduction to this movie within a movie. Yeah, and let's all agree that if this was remade or remade or made now, 
this right here would be the entire Demons this 2, be, and it would be yeah. done... And it would be done in found footage, you know, manner. Um, because one thing that is very jarring is that this movie does not take into account the camera person, even though it's supposed to be like sort of a, a documentary thing. And, and none of them are wearing clothes that are appropriate. You know, it's like their nicest shoes. And like, why didn't you put on boots or something, you, you morons? Right. But this is what the movie would be. If it was made now, it would be all this and just done in documentary, found footage style. I've always felt that this thing, what they're watching on TV, is, is like a made-for-TV document, fictitious documentary. We kind of get um, it over here now. We kind of get it over here now. We're like yeah. this kind of what if, what if this would have happened in history, and they and they show. Uh, uh, the, the one thing that's, that sticks in mind that we had this. I mean, and this is totally off bat with everything. Do you, you know about the, the, the guy, Jimmy Savile, in this country? Like, he's a, he worked at the BBC. He was, like, a huge paedophile. And everything was, oh. like, an open secret. Yeah. And uh, they, they've made, like, a documentary about him. Like, what if kind of thing. What was going on behind the scenes of all, of all the things you didn't see. Um, and it kind of feels like that. Like, this is something that happened. But we, we, we have no real documentation. But we made this fictional documentation of this thing what could happen and they, and they i think they say that in this this thing within it saying this this is what could happen if we go back in do, do they say that in demons too they say something about that like this is what could happen if we went back in there or if it outbreak if there was another outbreak or something like that i i don't personally recall i took this as as they were watching like live footage oh really uh, zach yeah zach how did you take it yeah i i took it as live footage as well um, because I'm looking through the notes of the the narrator, and he's you know talking about how the prediction came true of the demons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I like your idea more because it explains, like Corey said, <laughs> first of all, if this was a found yeah. footage thing. They would be wearing the gear that would. Well, and we're gonna get to a moment too soon where he's hopping over barbed wire, and I'm like, oh my god, he's acting very gingerly about putting his hands <laughs> on this barbed wire. No blanket, nothing. Can I, can I ask you guys? I mean, a... these are the things that they're like. Don't worry, just go, just yeah. go, just just, just yeah. make just make them make of the movie. <laughs> well, and it's it, it probably goes to the fact that this movie was made in less than a year after Demons One, like uh, David discussed in in the last episode. You know, they they weren't expecting Demons One to be as popular as it was, and so they sort of fast tracked this. So I think we're supposed to two factors here. One, I think we're supposed to just kind of just go with the flow and understand that it, it kind of was made very quickly. And I wonder too, if maybe Zach, our perception of this being a documentary is fueled by living in 2023 and having seen so many found footage movies, my head just goes immediately there. But David, the way you're saying it as if it was actually just something they filmed and are playing it, it actually makes more sense that way. But I think oh. nowadays my head just goes to immediately. This is, really live and everything even yeah, though it just I, doesn't really play that way yeah no it, it's kind of too slick isn't it it's too slick yeah. it's too produced yeah and it just always feels like this is like a like a mockumentary about what could happen if we ever decided to go back right. in that forbidden zone yeah but what, what i something that i find kind of interesting and i want you guys opinion on it is um do you think in Demons 1, you have the spectacle of a group of people watching a screening experience in this film within a film. And in Demons 2, you have them watching the TV sets, watching a film within a film. 
do you think it's more success successful in what it's trying to do by making it more personal where you see people in their homes watching a TV set with this thing on than the the spectatorship of people watching things in a cinema because it's all the point of view shot this is all point of view shot isn't it and in and in demons when you're seeing people in the cinema watching the screen and you're like okay yeah, that's something you I, can relate I get to what you're, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get what you're and, saying, and in but... this they're saying they're in their own homes watching and it's something we all do every day do you think Ex- that's more relatable yes but what neuters it is the fact that the same demon doesn't come out of everybody's TV screen. It only yeah. chooses to come out of Sally's. And I would have la- rather have seen it come out of everybody's TV screen. Now, there's logistics to that. You'd have to have the mm. same actor and all this kind of stuff. But that's what I was expecting. And I think the fact that it doesn't go down that way is what sort of neuters it a little bit for me. How about this for a scenario then instead of the actual demon coming out because when he pops out when when the demon pops out he just disappears we never see him again he attacks right. sally and just he's gone yeah he's so, gone so, so rather than how about you could have this thing where everyone's watching this thing and there's a scene in in the actual mockumentary film they're watching where the demon comes towards the screen and he just reaches out with the hand and he scratches people through the screen and then yeah. those people i mean that would that, work that would work too, and obviously we'll just well, we will discuss how amazing the effect is uh, with oh, you know him yeah. coming out of the screen. But the fact that he doesn't come out of everybody's screen and only comes out of hers is, I think, a, one of the things I have a, also a bit of a problem with with the movie. I think it's, it. I think this works kind of better in some ways than the cinema stuff. I mean, I love the cinema stuff, and I think it's ten out of ten. But I do like the idea. Like we're going into like video drone, video dead kind of territory where it's a very personal thing, isn't it? When you're sitting there late at night and you're watching something on a TV and it's a one way interaction, you're just watching this thing and this thing's showing you Im- images. But when this thing comes to life and something actually starts trying to interact with you, I think I think there's something there a bit more personal than the spectacle of having a group of people in a room watching a screen. Yeah, uh, and I, I get that it, because yeah. our childhoods were spent in that way, you know. Well, so, well, well, what's the thing you guys? It's not a term we use over. What is it? Latchkey kids. That's yes. That's, that's the thing. Yeah, yeah and like that, the Joey Lawrence kid is pretty much that, isn't yeah. he? So, mm-hmm. I th- so when I was watching this, I was kind of aware because you guys talk about that all the time, and I was aware. Like, yeah, do do you guys relate to that? In a, in a way different. Like when I saw that, I was like, "The oh, sons of bitches just abandoned him <laughs> on his own with his castle, great with his snake mountain toys, and that's terrible." But you guys, it's that relatable. Is, yeah, yeah, it's relatable. Yeah, that in a different way. Like here, you never really hear of things like that. Nothing gets spoke about that. But but, but that you, you like, guys talk that about kid's it all like the time. ten. Like Zach, we I wasn't left alone at ten. Um, that that was a that bit kid's about too eight, young. Isn't he? What, that, kid's, no. that kid's really. I young. was five. Okay, when my mom so, left me alone. So Zach, this was a bit more relatable to you then. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's coming up in just a minute, but but yeah, I, I mean, I was I was home alone at five, so I was I was walking home by myself at five and six years old at times. So from school, um, in a very sketchy neighborhood. So yeah, it's very relatable. Uh, you know. Um, yeah, <laughs> if you want more childhood trauma, go back to our early episodes of Podcasting After Dark. Because, and, uh, and to Donald Lafey, they're everywhere. <laughs> yeah, no, I was left home alone all the time. So watching this kid, it's silly, but I'm like, no, I can relate. I remember what, that's how I found out watching uh, Salem's Lot and being terrified, oh you gosh. know, or a babysitter coming over, but not even being around. So, you know, 
yeah, my my situation's a little bit different. <laughs> um, anyway, we'll get to little Joey Lawrence in a second, Italian Joey Lawrence. But uh, you know, we're we're reintroduced at this point to Mary, the prostitute. Mary, middle name the last name prostitute. Uh, she's with her John, and in their bedroom. This is a really cool shot, by the way, because. You know, she's he, he's like, do you mind if we watch the TV? So Sally's watching the TV. The same program is on everyone's television. And, uh, you know, she goes, honey, you can we can do it any way you like. And then the camera pans slowly from her bedroom, from his bedroom, the John, uh, to a family's living room, dining room area, where we're introduced to Ingrid, a.k.a. Asia Argento, and her family watching and asia ingrid sorry is like engrossed in this documentary watching the footage of uh the scooby-doo team making their way through like a like a a ravine or whatever going up a, a little hill to the wall of the basically the beginning of the demon territory or the um the the forbidden zone and the narration continues right the prediction that came true the demons rampage through the streets Fear and death were the order of the day. Then man learned to fight back in the forces of evil. And then the mom interrupts Ingrid in her whole moment, like saying, Ingrid, you know, are you going to eat? And she's like, I'm not hungry. <laughs> I'd be like, no, we're turning the TV off. You're eating your damn dinner. But her dad's like, let's change the channels, you know. And uh, she's like, come on, just leave it on, right? And the narration continues saying this can this can happen again, but we'll That's be ready next time. That's what I was time. thinking of. That's the line I was. This can happen again. This is what I thought it was some kind of mockumentary about, like, like almost like a, a, a what do you guys call them? Like a after-school special things, like a warning right. people, like yeah, you don't want to be do messing around in that forbidden zone. That was the line I was trying to think of. Earlier. Okay, I knew there was something like that that was said, and in my mind, that's what triggered it as being uh, a mockumentary about what could happen if you went into that forbidden zone. That that was it. And I think it's funny because I wonder if I watched this, you know, back then without all the found footage movies and stuff that we have now, um, would I have thought differently? Would I have immediately assumed that this was a pre-recorded, you know, thing? Like you said, it's it. I, I I didn't even have this in my head, you know, when we were coming into this discussion. So this is kind of like reevaluate. It's causing me to reevaluate how I'm viewing these scenes. Yeah, but I'm. Yeah, that's no, a good. Yeah. No, I think it's interesting, Corey. You're coming at it from your point of view, where you've watched it recently for the first time, and you're you're comparing this to found footage stuff because I never thought about it like that before ever. That's that's a completely new way of watching this film, thinking it is that. Because the thing is, it, it's obviously this thing, you know, that a demon comes out from this whatever way they shot a mockumentary found footage, whatever this is, something comes out of it, uh, the screen from this film. And it is equally as mystical as the film. Oh, the machines have been here forever. Well, like, where where did this thing come? Like in Demons One, that it, yeah, you know, yeah. it's running itself. Like where did where did this thing come from? That's being broadcast right. on the television. Um, you know, and when you like you were saying about the TV station next door, again things could be tied up a bit more, dream logic and all that. But I I, I think yeah, it, it's I, I like that. It's almost kind of like this thing was broadcast and they and it became had a life of its own. It became its own thing and that became the infection for the demons. And I think that's kind of interesting. I don't think they play out, you know, in any way that taps into anything that could be interesting with it. Like, you know, like is it a cult thing, like we were saying before? And I don't think it needs it. But 
there's definitely something there that makes you and, think. And like you said, it doesn't matter how you view these this footage stuff. The end result is going to be the same. So it yeah. doesn't. It, you can be on either side of the fence, and it doesn't matter because we're all coming to the same point anyways. Which is this demon's going to come out of the TV. Yeah, I used to as a kid. I and used I, to have nightmares about things on television screens watching me. Yeah, like because you others. watched you like video of the dead and everything. Yeah, and I didn't well, yeah, watch yeah. That stuff, no, so. but even <laughs> even before that, even before that, I used to have like these horrible dreams about like things on the TV turning around and looking at me, and used to freak me out in my dreams. I remember these dreams as a kid, and so I think watching this and that scene where the, the demon turns to the camera and comes forward, I mean, it breaks all kind of understanding of reality with the TV because it's a one way, like yeah. I said before, it's a one way yeah. interaction, isn't it? Yeah. And I think that's a very frightening thing. That's a very frightening thing that you don't really get with the cinema. That adds yeah. to this, using the TV screens. Yeah, no, that's I, I agree. Kind of, yeah. It's kind of why I like elements of this movie more than the first one. Mm. Elements of it. Yeah. And, I, and we'll talk about the TV studio at the end and my theory as to their involvement or lack thereof or whatever. Mm. What I like, this this moment is really cool, though, because it shows all the different people, not everybody, but a couple different apartment buildings. It shows a woman with her dog, uh, and that's relevant because that'll come back soon. And little Joey Lawrence, who's watching on his TV, and the documentary cuts. It, it cuts between everyone watching it to scenes from the documentary, the group of teens, you know, asking what happened on the other side of the forbidden zone, uh, and then you're you're shown a little bit more of little Joey Lawrence's room, with his various toys. Nothing too much that stands out yet, <laughs> yet. Uh, but then we're shown the documentary footage again, where. They start to go over the barbed wire of the Forbidden Zone, and uh, Stud Farm in their world is putting his hands on the barbed wire, the first guy over, and he's gingerly just grabbing the barbed wire where the spikes are. And I'm like, my God, dude, this guy's got some rock hard balls because um, he's just going for it, you know? He does not even flinch. Hey, Italians Suddenly do it better, back pal. To... Italians do it better. That's who you got to know. <laughs> That's right. Hey, <laughs> woohoo! Suddenly, the little boy. Uh, who's watching the doc, little Joey Lawrence, here's his phone ring. <laughs> this is one of the best scenes in the movie, in my opinion. Pick up, picks up the phone and says, Hello? No, Daddy isn't home. Neither's Mommy. I'm all alone. Yes. <laughs> Goodbye. Click. <laughs> Just tell the potential pedophile that, No, I'm all alone. <laughs> Was that Gabe Jarrett from Real Genius? Uh, so, <laughs> oh, no. Um, Topical. Well, oh, my. Um, so suddenly two of the four. So cut back to the documentary with the four Scooby gang. And uh, one of the women in the group wants to go home. She's like the photographer, right, of the group. And but two of them want to continue. So what happens? They don't do rock, paper, scissors, but they continue on. <laughs> Into the Forbidden Zone to their ultimate demise. It's because they're not a committee. <laughs> they don't decide right. as a committee. They move forward. Right. Cut to George and Hannah having dinner. And George is in medical school, I believe. That's what's going on. And, you know, Hannah is quizzing him on his assignments. It's kind of a playful, cute scene to show how much they love each other. Uh, you know, he's cheating. 
not on her, but on the test because she's asking him questions and she's in the other room and he's looking in his textbook to find the answers to it. I'm not even going to bore you with what he says because it is boring to hear <laughs> from his mouth. Yeah, it's, when someone actually says what an equation is, he's saying words that I didn't like. I understand what the visual equation is, but I didn't know that there were words for that. He's like bracket minus the colon, you know, all these things. But I will say I like their relationship. I like George and Hannah. Uh, a lot. I don't like some of the choices she makes when she's fighting the little the little demon later. Most choices that I don't like are people not closing doors that are clearly in between them and the opponent. But overall, I really do enjoy George and Hannah together. And unlike you know our first two couple and everything in, in the first movie, I don't want anything to happen to either of these two, and I want them to make it all the way through it. Well, Han is not the sharpest tool in the shed because someone who has clear poison products on her counter when she's a pregnant woman, probably not a good idea. But I will agree with you, Corey. Everything you said, they're a very likable couple. I love that George in the beginning when we're introduced to Mary, middle name, the last name prostitute. And and George, like he looks at her because you do, you look over, but he doesn't like try to hook up with her or flirt with her. Because he's a solid guy. Yeah. He's a good guy. He's a good guy through and through. And even when they're in the elevator or later, he's he doesn't try to do anything sus with her. You know, it's all good, as the kids like to say. They must get on pretty well anyway, because that living space, is it, a, over here we call it a bed sit. I don't know what you guys call it, where you got the we'll, fold down. Say it again, what do you call uh, it? We call it a bed sit, when it's just like a room with a toilet and, oh. a, and, a, and a, a bathroom. We call it a studio, right? A studio, yeah, of course you do. Yeah, yeah, a studio apartment, yeah. Is that place a studio? Because she has the fold-down bed in the middle of the room, doesn't she? Yeah, but she goes into another room, and it's not. I think quite... it's a one-bedroom apartment. Yeah, I think. Maybe but with a fold-out bed, the, the, the fold-out bed, I think, is maybe a spare bed or something. I don't. Pretty know. Pretty sweet. Yeah, I, yeah I we don't have it's a really lot of nice. those. Yeah. We don't have a lot of those here anymore. Maybe in New York, Zach, we probably have more where the the bed goes up into the wall. The Murphy um, bed? The but, Murphy bed. Yeah, the Murphy yeah. bed. There you go. Yeah, but in L.A., there weren't a lot of places that had that. Even a studio apartment, you wouldn't have a bed, that a, a Murphy bed. You would just have to have a mattress out in the space, essentially. Well, I knew a dude once that lived in a bachelor. Okay. <laughs> and it is literally a bathroom and then a room. Yeah. Uh, about the size of a coat closet that is big enough to have a single bed and he's got in like the sink and the cooking appliances are right there in the room yeah. and i'm like you live here dude like this is okay i, I, I remember was, looking at bachelor apartments i remember looking at those bachelor apartments when i moved out of uh you know in santa monica when i broke up with uh, christina and and had to look for a place to live and Oof, yeah, that's when I was like, when the only thing in my price range in Santa Monica were bachelor apartments, I was like, well, I guess I'm not living in Santa Monica anymore. <laughs> yeah, you meet your next door neighbor and he's like, bend over. And you go, Ben, nice to meet you. <laughs> Mr. Dover, nice to meet you. Fletch too. Hey, everybody. Co-host Corey here. I just wanted to take a second and say thank you to all of our Patreon members who help support the show. Each month, they get access to The Carpenter Factor, Wrap Up After Dark, and all kinds of other fun, exclusive content. You can sign up for our Patreon over at patreon.com slash podcastingafterdark. Again, that's patreon.com slash podcastingafterdark. Other ways you can help support the show and help us grow is leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. 
We also have a merch store where you can pick up a t-shirt or two, as well as some other fun items. You can find every link to our podcatchers, to our merch store, to Patreon, everything at podcastingafterdark.com. That's podcastingafterdark.com. Now back to the show. So from there, we go to Sally's apartment. Panic on the streets of London. Panic on the... Those Italian hardcuts. Those Italian hardcuts. That's what we were talking about last week. And you just go from one thing to something completely different. And And I remember watching this for the first time. And it just cut into that. And I was like, oh, okay, we're, okay, we're here. We're doing this now. Got it. Sure. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. Everyone's dancing, having a good time. You get the best 80s white boy dancing going on. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's the great, yeah. You know, where you don't shake your hips. It's just your shoulders and your hands, basically, yeah. and your head. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Corey's recreating it as we speak. <laughs> cut back to the documentary. And you see the charred remains. This, this is where it gets juicy. You see the charred remains of, like, bicycles. So you know that, you know. Some major carnage has gone down. They're walking through that classic Italian mud, you know, just like sinking into that clay. Suddenly, one of the guys in the group tells everyone to stop. He sees something in the ground. He finds a claw in the mud. One of the girls takes a picture of it. They get excited about it. They, they're they like, oh, it's our first trophy. Goo. And uh, and the, one of the guys in the group says, yeah, this is how they spread the contagion through their fingernails. <laughs> Whoa, and and like, they touch it no yay. problem. And they touch it no problem. I know. I know. It's insane. It's he's, so insane. And he's so excited about it. He's like, this, this is how it enters your body. It's like, dude, fucking put that down. <laughs> it's like all those idiots who go to, uh, what's that big lake? Lake Havasu in Arizona where they're like, yo. There's a brain-eating virus in this lake. You probably don't want to go in it. And everyone's like, oh, my God, but it's a summer. Let's party. Yeah. Put it this way. It's like doing a tour of a slum and picking up a needle out of the gutter and going, yes. this is how you catch. Uh, you can catch AIDS with this. Oh, really? Yeah, let's oh, save it. And yeah. He's, like, touching it with his yeah. finger. <laughs> look at look it. Look at my callus. Yeah. <laughs> Oop, it poked me. Yeah. Hey, oh, still crap. pretty sharp. <laughs> yeah. But, no, but no. this is another little... You know, bait and switch. Nothing kind of happens because of this claw. And you know, I I do enjoy some of these buildups and then switcheroos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't get what you expect for better and worse in this film. You don't get what you expect at times for better and worse. There's some scenes I'm going to talk about the worst where it's like, yeah, could have been, but but this it was like, okay, you totally think they're going to put that in their pocket and they're just going to get jabbed with it or something's. You think that's where he's going to go. For even watching it this time, I even double-checked myself thinking, oh, hang on a minute, is it, is it that? Does that happen? Because you just right. really, it builds up and you expect that from it. You really do. There are many things in this movie that you won't expect, but one thing you do come to expect is that Sally is a pain in the ass. Because <laughs> from here, yeah. uh, you're back in Sally's apartment, her phone rings, uh, Italian Rick Moranis answers the phone. No, Zach, <laughs> Italian Tom Bray. Okay, there you go. <laughs> sure. That's how he is throughout my entire notes. Italian Tom Bray. Italian Tom Bray. Fair, fair. Uh, Italian Tony Khan. Italian Tony Khan. <laughs> yes, there you go. So uh, the phone rings. Got Italian Tom Bray answers. And uh, he, he says it's Jacob. Uh, and Sally's not in the room with them. So her friend uh, Olga, what, what, Holga, what do you say? Olga. I think it's Olga, isn't it? I think, I think it's, it's Olga. Olga, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Olga, her BFF, goes to tell Sally it's Jacob. Sally flips out, and she's like, Jacob, I told you not to bring him. I told you he's not supposed to come to my party. Or, you know, she flips out, and she's like, I don't want him coming here. 
she screams uh, at Italian Tom Bray to get him out of here. And Italian Tom Bray shakes his head like, what did I do? I just answered the phone. And uh, Olga tells the guy to hit the bricks and go tell Jacob not to come to their house, not to come to the apartment when he shows up. But yeah, basically goes out to intercept him, essentially. Th- this yeah, guy she, she is the luckiest out. motherfucker in yes. this whole thing. <laughs> yes, he really is. Yeah, he really is. Yeah. Like, he's destined for something because fate, <laughs> fate put him out of the way of <laughs> hey, all of this. He got out of the way of the demons and he avoids the car crash. Yes. Like, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> everything, yeah. everything. You're doing well, son. He... You're doing well. If he did not play the lotto that day, he's an idiot. (laughs) Uh, Cut back to the documentary where they're in like a dilapidated, classic dilapidated warehouse. There's weeds growing. There's trees growing. Fun fact, when I went back to Detroit for the first time in decades, I'm driving downtown Detroit past these dilapidated buildings in like 2009. And there's this big high rise with trees growing out of the windows of the high rises in Detroit because it's so run down. Uh, I think I might've mentioned to Corey when I did, when I met him for the first time, I'm like, yeah, Detroit looks like the wasteland of Mad Max. It still does in some respects, just the way OCP wants it. Pretty much, pretty (laughs) much. Um, One of the Scooby gang comments that the place is, you know, deader than a cemetery. And suddenly there's a weird gas that comes out of the pipes around them and they start coughing. And I'm like, Ooh, just like, just like uh, Return, of the Li- Return of the Living Dead. Cut back to a woman in her apartment that we were introduced to earlier. She hears a scratching at her door. She asks, who's there? She walks over to the door, and uh, a dog sticks its face in the peephole. Might be a big <laughs> fucking dog to be able to reach all the way up to the peephole. He's not, um, but it doesn't matter. His name's Davey, and he's cute. He looks like a little lassie dog. Yeah. And, and she's I- like, oh, I forgot you were out here. <laughs> And she had, like, what the was he door... doing out there? Yeah, she had the door latched and everything. So here's my, the only way I could make this she scene She sucks as a pet owner, by the way. <laughs> I I take it as she's dog sitting and she, it's not her, her dog. Because okay. who the fuck would just leave their dog out in the hallway and then put the chain on, lock all the deadbolts and everything. Look, I'm fine. How, Zach, you're a dog owner. You know, David, you're a cat owner. You are aware almost all the time of where your pets are in the house. Yeah. Yeah. That, 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 Whether it we just want did. to or not. I yeah. mean, think of the neighbors. <laughs> think of that. Look, look at this place where they've, they've built it up to be. It's this really elite, prestige, high-rise complex. And this woman's letting a dog out in the hallway to take a shit. Yeah, yeah is it just like, shitting and pissing in the yeah, hallway? Yeah, just shitting and pissing in the I hallway. Know. Yeah. <laughs> And she's I like, oh, I, I forgot I let you out. And so I was like, she, that's not her dog. Like, it can't be. No. So in my head, no. she's dog sitting. I agree. Do you think there was a deleted scene where some Italian guy knocked on the door? Hey, uh, your dog, uh, I tell you, your dog's a shit in the hallway again. What the hell is this? <laughs> I feel like there's no deleted scenes in this. They just, they're like, just go, just yeah, go. It's all, yeah. you're, seeing it's, it all, guys. you're seeing it all. You're seeing everything. Right. <laughs> Quick cut to the exterior of the high rise where nerdy Tom Bray, Italian Tom Bray is outside waiting for Jacob. Cut back to the documentary. One of the dudes has a flashlight on a girl who's taking pictures. One of the one of the four. Uh, Not the photographer girl, but the other one accidentally cuts herself. And. Suddenly they hear a sound. They go to investigate what it is. They're scared, but they go towards it anyways. 
suddenly a stereo gets turned on because one of the idiots decides, oh, look, it's working. And everyone freaks out because they hear the stereo pumping in the documentary. The girl who got scratched realizes she's like looking in a mirror and sees like a drop of blood. And she's like, "Eh, it's okay." Well, because she sees her reflection as a demon and then she gets startled, and then you know, she, and then she kind of blinks, and she's not a demon. And then re- reflection. I just, I like how her reaction then is like, "Oh, oh, good, I'm not a demon. <laughs> I'm not a demon." Because in the same moment, they find a actual, they find an actual demon, and they get all excited about it. But the demon is like decrepit, charred remains of the demon, right? And I like how and they're his, all freaking out. His face kind of looks like the mask a little bit totally looks like the mask yeah and suddenly they're like you realize what this means we're probably the only people alive who've seen the one who's seen one like this look at those teeth <laughs> look at those teeth the woman uh photo- the photographer is taking pictures and as she's getting ready to take more pictures the girl who cut herself has blood dripping from her finger and it drips onto the demon's face quick cut back to Little Joey Lawrence and Ingrid watching the documentary. Cut back to Sally's apartment. Everyone's getting ready to take a big group photo, and they realize Sally's not there. She's in her room pouting, (laughs) which is really funny. At the same time they're trying to take the photo is the same time in the documentary that they're trying to take a photo, which is a cool moment because both times the flash doesn't work, and they both comment that the flash doesn't work. And I think that's really cool um, because... A lot of times in paranormal investigation and stuff, um, uh, you know, if you believe in this sort of thing, yada, 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 like ghosts and stuff, when they manifest, they like absorb all of the electricity and devices and everything. And if you listen or, you know, watch a lot of paranormal things, you that is a common through line that people will go out on investigations with full batteries in their recorders and everything or in their lights, and they will be drained completely by the place. So... I actually thought this was a really cool thing that kind of combined both the real world, meaning the Sally's a a party, and the the TV. I I like that this combination of this manifestation that's about to happen is going to suck all the energy out of the the power generators and the lights and everything like that. I think there's something there, and I don't quite know if it was intended in that way, but I think it's actually a very slick thing that the movie's doing. I think you're completely right, and the way you just put it, I never thought about it like that before. For me, it was it was, it's that synchronicity in between the the film reality and the film within a film reality. Like uh, in Demons One, where uh, she cuts herself with a mask, and it's the same thing on the screen at the same time, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it was it was kind of an extension of that. But what you're saying, Corey, it's like this manifestation of this the, this combining of two worlds, this fantasy world and reality world, quote unquote. I think that's a really nice way to put it. That that i like that that's uh i think it adds another layer to it yeah totally agree so now this demon's coming back to life back in the documentary that sally's watching and what's cool about this and kind of gross is like you see the veins popping out of the uh it's filling back up with juice basically and it's a really cool but yet gross moment um where and they kind of get off on the fact in this that the like the veins pop out they're like oh we found a new fx technique you know and they're showing <laughs> these veins popping out of uh of the zombies like body and everything like that it comes to life starts attacking everybody uh everyone's freaking out the woman who got scratched and initially she gets killed the rest of the group runs away 
but the demon's right behind them. Sally's all excited. She's like, hey, this is crazy. Damn. Or whatever. It is. <laughs> Some, I would be really yeah, too. <laughs> right? Suddenly the narration comes back on. And I love this. It's like, blood nurtures the dormant sea. How can the demons be stopped is another apocalyptical prediction about to come true. The winds of death sweep across the world. And the whole and whole continents will be cast adrift in an ocean of blood. It's like, damn, that's cool. And I got to admit, that dialogue gives more credence to David's viewpoint of all of this. Because, like, if this was, like, a live documentary, like, why would that narrator have that ready to go? And why wouldn't they be like, oh, my God, oh, my God, it's happening, you know? (laughs) Right, right. And in the same moment, as that narration is going on, you see the demon standing there in camera view. He's the only one there. He's. And he suddenly turns and he's like looking directly into the camera, directly looking at Sally. And you get this really cool moment where you see Sally's perspective and then the demon's perspective. The demon's perspective is he can see Sally and the, there's a strobe light going on. It's super creepy. And he starts getting closer to the screen. She's she's just like frozen in fear. And she starts freaking out and screaming because as he gets to the screen of his world he's pushing through and the cam and the tv from her perspective is like stretched out very much like videodrome and which i love i mean is is as much as this scene like in the reality sense makes no sense whatsoever it's a, still a really killer effect because he's pushing his face through and she's and she yells out oh it can't be right she gets up out of her she gets off her bed to go to her room. She, she gets off her bed to go to her front door, and it's locked from the inside. Fine, whatever. Or she's panicking, and she can't open it all the way. The demon's slowly pushing through. There's static now instead of his actual face that you see. There's a quick cut to everyone else in their apartment buildings watching the TV, and their TVs are now fuzzy with static interference. Suddenly, Sally's no longer panicking because the demon's not on the TV screen. She gets upset at the TV because she's this angsty little, Possum. you know what? And she, <laughs> right? And she's like, you know, stupid TV. I'll fix it. And then she walks over. When she walks over to the TV, she turns around and the demon's standing in her bedroom. And he grabs her and he pulls her down to the ground. Cut to her friends in the party in the living room of her apartment listening to Blue Heart by Peter Murphy. Yeah, uh, David, we got to talk about this whole scene right here. Um, I'll, I'll just real quick say, I, 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 I echo what Zach said. I don't remember your exact words now, but it's like this scene might not be realistic, but it is so good. I think we needed the shot of Sally from the demon's point of view, complete with like a TV frame, frame. and everything. Yeah. And and I don't care that this isn't like real or or I can't figure out how to make this Same. real. It's so awesome. And then you know exactly what's happening. You understand through those shots, even though they're not really. So you get what is happening visually with those shots right. going through that screen. And I think Sally's reaction when when you see that demon turn and look, and you see Sally's reaction to that, I think her reaction is ten out of ten. I think yeah. you know from her reaction what her thought process is uh, of in that second of that thing is looking at me. And you understand that with her acting in that scene. I think she does a really good job of that. 
And when he pushes his face through the TV screen and they're, like, still projecting, they could have easily just projected, you know, the static, and that would have been easy. But there's a couple shots where it's actually his face, and it's just, it's so perfectly matched. And this is, you know, akin to when, um, I forgot her name, I think it was Carmen, the the second prostitute in the first movie, when she comes right out of the slice. Like, I can see, like, they we, we need another one of these type of things. But this one works better even though me, Corey, doesn't sort of like the conceit of something coming out of the TV, I still think overall this is done spectacularly, and it's done so well that I'm just kind of like, ah, fuck it, let's just go with the flow, let's let's just go with it. Well, you don't you don't question it, like what we were saying earlier on about that that first demon that comes from the TV screen essentially just disappears. Yeah, he's just, he's just not there anymore because when Sally comes out for the party, you'd expect him to be there as well. So in 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 the reality reality of this film he just disappears he's not there he's gone yeah. so but it's so good in that moment you don't even question that you you only question it when you think about it when you actually like that what we're doing there you break it down you, you that's the only time you really think about it and i think it's so well done it makes you forget that kind of basic logic of well there should be two of them and that could just be in Sally's head. Like, maybe he never came out of the TV screen, but she got mentally, uh, you know, affe- uh, infected by yeah. it. And that's just sort of how she perceived it. But it never really happened that way. And no demon was ever really in there. Either way, but it's all dream logic. And again, it it creates these two movies. I think, I mean, they're so good next to each other because they feel like they fit demons one and demons two feel like they fit next to each other and it's because of this deem de- and it's because of this dreamlike logic that both movies use and i like this idea too that it's a could be a signal that creates this virus like yeah. a la the movie the signal, the signal yeah. Which, <laughs> yeah if you've never seen the signal it's from the early 2000s uh, highly recommended it's a very cool anthology sort of story but revolving around a particular signal in Atlanta causing a virus. And I'll just add on to that, um, maybe Pontypool, where it's like this uh, thought yeah, virus that kind yeah. of, you know, which, and right. by the way, guys and gals, if you've never seen Pontypool, that movie's fantastic. Yeah, both of those are good, very good. Have you ever um, seen, um, sorry, sorry, Zach, sorry. No, no. The, um, the, um, have you ever seen um, 80s Twilight Zone? There's an episode of that where there's a guy just pulls up by the side of the road and there's someone wandering around. Um, vacantly, and the guy says, "Sim, you okay?" And he goes, "Yeah, yeah, I'm good." He goes, "I'm really good." And he goes, "You sure?" And he goes, "Yeah." He goes, "Do you know what the secret to life is?" And he comes over and whispers in this guy's ear, and the guy just loses his mind. And that's what the whole thing is. If you share this information, if you share this thing, yeah, you just lose your mind. And that's what the whole story is about. Just and at the very end, it's the guy from um, CSI who's in Manhunter. I can't think of his name. Oh who's yeah, the main yeah. Guy from oh, Man- William yeah, yeah. Peterson. Yeah, yeah, yeah William. To yeah, live yeah, and yeah, die in L.A. Peterson. To live and die in yeah, to live and die in L.A. Yeah, CSI. Yeah, live and die in LA. He, um, yeah, yeah, and at the very end of it, he he saves this girl from this building and these people, and uh, they just as they leave, she just turns around to him and goes, "Do you ever know what the secret of life is?" And whispers, and it just ends with him laughing, and that's, that's it. Cool. It's just like this, yeah, oh, yeah. It's just like this this verbal virus that. Yeah. Is spread around everywhere. Yeah, and I think I think that's something that would be you could explore it more. Like we're saying about where did the cinema come from? Where did the projectors come from? Where did the film come from? But I think there's enough there to create conversation like we're having now about what is this thing. And I think the conversation is always going to be more satisfying than a solid conclusion within the film. Right. So (laughs) 
now I want to watch all this stuff we've been talking about. But <laughs> um, back to so everyone in the party is like, you know, where's Sally? Sally, come out here. It's time to light your birthday candles. And they're, they're going to sing her happy birthday. And suddenly her door opens. And I think part of you probably is expecting that she's going to come out as a demon, but she doesn't. The, there's like she's in profile, so you don't see really what she looks like. And you're like, oh, shit, is she going to flip out? She walks towards the birthday cake and she's kind of making guttural noises. And you can't see her face. You can't see her face very well at first. And then when you do, you only see like half her face. But then you see her whole face struggling and she's trying to blow out the candles to her cake. She grabs the man, uh, one of her friends next to her by the arm, and then she blows out the candles, but then her fingernails in, in her hand on her friend's arm start to protrude and start clawing into her friend's arm. And she's turning into a full demon now. Her head starts shaking. Her teeth are falling out. It's a prosthetic piece, but it's very creepy. She's making the evil Ed guttural noise from Fright Night. Um, everyone starts freaking out around her. And then she's become a full-on demon, and she's pulling people one by one to the ground. She's ripping them apart, and people are scratching and clawing to get out of the apartment to no avail. Yeah. And it kind of gave me shades of when um, Kathy uh, turned in the first movie, because she's kind of like, you can tell that her soul is trying to, like, fight for it still you know she's like where am i what's happening to me i kind of got because she kind of you know here sally kind of walks out and you know you can just tell she's a little bit dazed and i i like this idea that like i think her soul is trying to cling on to whatever it can but it's it's you know it's vacating her body i think you can see some of her ego in there as well like that spitefulness that she doesn't want these people there still like when she comes in she's just like her face is down staring at that cake and when she blows everything out it still feels she's like you're saying she's still trying to hold on to who she is and she's still trying to keep keep that stiff upper lip of i don't want you people here but i i'm I'm gonna go along with this anyway but she's also fighting this demon virus inside herself i think i think there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that makes sense with the way she acts in this scene to her character and i think that's what makes it it makes it very real. You believe it in this moment that she's walking into this party and she's not quite herself. But the, she could be herself still. She could just be in a mood. She could be just acting like Sally because Jacob's coming over. But you can also see, yeah, there's also there's a problem. There's something else going on there. And I think yeah. I think she does really good in this scene. I think she does really good in this scene. Yeah. I mean, there, there's a she, reason she's the main demon yeah. in this movie I, I love every time sally demon is on screen i i love it i think she does a great job mm. and maybe a reason why she's such a miserable person is because we cut to her mom and dad having dinner and her dad's like pissed because they're out at some like german bratwurst fest or something <laughs> and... it's fun as yeah. hell and he's like why do we have to eat dog food while sally yeah he's like, like partying <laughs> Right. And and then they cut to like German bands playing and there's an outdoor market and it looks very festive and fun. It's amazing. And it looks so a, much that's fun. That's a good point, Zach. That's a good point. He's out there, everyone's having fun. He's like, Oh, look at this miserable shit. It's like, oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> really? But but sure. that goes to the fact right. of like so, you know, us talking earlier about it's weird that, you know, the, we we had a time period where we created these high rises that were like fortresses where no one wanted to leave. He is who those high rises are marketed towards. Like he's he, the person that he's would want candidate. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah exactly. Because yeah. it, it, it's so weird because everyone is having a great time and he's fucking miserable being around these people. It's so weird. Yeah, he's like 
I just want to stay home and jerk off. <laughs> like, okay, dude. Uh, he doesn't say that, but I'm, the look on his yeah, face yeah. pretty much tells the whole story. Did you notice uh, you with these... So, sorry, Zach. Sorry, Zach. Did you notice with these scenes... I don't know what, what it was like on your Blu-ray, because uh, you got the synapse. Uh, did you notice it was a bit jittery in all these scenes? Yeah. Right? Yes, yeah. I... Yeah, I that, Okay, yeah, yeah. I was going to ask you guys, and I think it happens more with the little Joey Lawrence uh, kid's mom. There's a scene specifically. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you guys all saw that as well then? It's been yes. fixed, quote-unquote fixed for this version of it, more so than the original VHS and DVD releases. Because uh, oh, so, and so, so what, what we they saw did, is I think fixed? <laughs> that's fixed, yeah, yeah. On the original, it was worse. On the ori- what the happened? Stuff Do you went, know? I think they left the gate because uh, you know, like you've got the gate, the camera gate, and everything yeah. else. It looks like they was out there. I, I think they filmed all this stuff without permits. They rushed it and they never tightened the gate up, so the film was actually moving within the gate, and that's where you get that weird flicker on all this stuff. So I think I think they were just doing it guerrilla style, just trying to yeah. capture some images, and and they just didn't tighten it up in time, and so you got some of those weird flickering shots. And they had to keep it too because this is all pretty got, important yeah. stuff and everything. Yeah. That that makes sense because this all does take place like out out there in the real world, the really re- real world. And uh, I can see them not having permits. And yeah, the the DP fucked up. That's the that's the I DP think, right there. I think it is. I think it is. But if you go okay. back to those original releases, it's far worse. It's wow. really bad. Yeah. Wow. There there was even I think it was the original DVD. There was actually like a warning at the beginning of it saying some of this footage is actually. Uh, just been messed up. Do you know what I mean? It was destroyed. Uh, th- th- this footage is, just looks like this. this is the best stuff we could find and we could use for this release. For now, so, I guarantee you, they'll yeah. someone will run an AI thing, make it, put it through AI oh, or something, perfect. and yeah, yeah, and, and the yeah. next release that'll be the next release. It'll be like, the first time those stutter scenes are actually stabilized completely. <laughs> oh man! Yeah, Corey, I can't wait to spend eighty yeah. bucks for that one. Wow, let's get yeah, right. let's get that Blu-ray press. After four K, it will be four K AI. That'll be the next. Zach, yes, you're a hundred percent four K, but with AI uh, enhancements. Yes, Zach. Right. Oh my That's god, com- it's coming. Hey, you know what? If it makes it so that like my my the explosion volume isn't like a thirty, and then the dialogue volume's a fucking five, and I'm always blowing right. my speakers out. <laughs> that fine. That would be wonderful. Please do that. Thank you. Right. Yeah. Right. Cut back to uh, Italian Tom Bray, still <laughs> waiting for Jacob. <laughs> Come back, cut back to Sally, full demonized now with a rad cult song playing in the background. I love the cult. Uh, I don't. I wouldn't say the cult is a consistent band because some of their songs are not as good. If you listen to a cult album, in my opinion, like some songs just don't hit, just like you know Firewoman does or um, Aphrodisiac Jack and shit like that so many of those really good cult songs but this is a good one that's playing uh cut to george and hannah in their apartment who are literally next door to sally's apartment so they hear across the hallway they hear the the music the ruckus but they didn't hear the screaming and maybe they thought if they heard the screaming they thought it was a part of the party uh hannah's complaining that she's hungry again and you know She's like, oh, just listen to the fun they're having. Reminds me of Chris and... Farley's skit on SNL. Back off, man, I'm hungry. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then uh, George is like, oh, great, another craving. And uh, she basically gets up to leave to go tell Sally to turn the music off. And he offers to do it. And she's like, no, I can go. She's like, you don't want our, our child to be born with a birthmark. I'm like, what the, what? How, what? <laughs> I didn't you understand mean, birth this. birth defect? 
I think it was supposed to be birth defect. No, they mentioned birthmark later, and I think this is... I know they did. I think think it's that translation. I think we have a translation problem here. I I was thinking it was some old wives' tale, like, oh, if you don't get your cake on, you you need to get the birthmark. I don't know. Okay. Corey came at this movie at a very different angle than you guys did. (laughs) Both Dave and I were like, no. (laughs) It's just the uh, translation. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Okay. (laughs) But meanwhile, Corey's like... Ooh, like Streganona? Is this a, an Italian folktale? Oh. <laughs> Cut back to Sally's apartment. And Hannah's now buzzing Sally's apartment to open up the door. Hannah knocks on the door. Hannah buzzes the door, but Sally doesn't answer. I love, Sally how, just, I love how Demon Sally kind of doesn't know the difference between a doorbell and the music that's still happening. And Because I, I like that the music is still going on. And she's like, what is happening? Yeah, she's like torn between two worlds. Yeah. And, and, and blood, the blood flows where Rosemary goes. It's just <laughs> flowing everywhere. And uh, you see the other patrons or her party goers are you know, slow slowly starting to turn um, as blood is flowing out of her body and everything around her. It's seeping through the floor. And I really love this. It's now sleep. It's seeping through the apartment complex itself, which is very cool. Cut back to George offering to get food for Hannah. Uh, makes another comment about the birthmark and, and he leaves to go get food for Hannah that night. Zach, you've been here. You know how it goes. You got to go get whatever your pregnant wife wants, right? Oh, yeah. I get it. (laughs) Or or else it's death. Death for you. Pretty much. Pretty much. (laughs) Cut back to the blood seeping through the floors. Um, Mary, middle name the, last name prostitute, leaves her John, and he goes back into his bedroom where blood is forming on the ground, dripping from his ceiling. He's like, what the hell is this? Where the hell's the records room? And uh, it's like acid seeping through, right? And it's done as well as Alien. I mean, honestly, the effects of the blood acid is done very well in this movie. Very cool. Yeah. yeah. You, you cut to a quick shot of a woman uh, tanning nude on a bed. And then another guy in, is that like a sauna machine for your body, yeah. but not your head? Yeah, yeah but not your like head. like a personal sauna machine. <laughs> yeah. Right. So this is now, we're now cut into the fitness center gym of the hotel. And uh, the guy in the sauna machine who's like up to his neck in the sauna machine, blood's dripping on the ceiling and hits his face. Of course. (laughs) Come back to that. Quick cut to our boy, Hank, in the gym telling people to work out harder. (laughs) Cut back to (laughs) cut back to Mary. Oh, at one point, he's like talks to yelling at a guy named Mueller. He's like, more energy, Mueller. Come on. He calls Mueller out multiple times. He said, there's also the uh, right, Susan, right. Someone's, there's a Susan in there. I know yeah. that. I can remember that. Yeah, right. There's a Susan, Susan right. in there. Yeah, there's a Susan in there. There's a hot chick with hairy armpits, too. I, I, yes. Hey, hey yes. Zach, you got to bring out those legs later on, baby. you got to bring those legs. Oh, 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 I, I was I shocked by that. I was watching it, and Zach was texting me. This. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm watching it now. And, and he said, he pointed something out. And I was like, really? And within about five minutes, I, I got to that scene. I was like, oh, Zach, really? You've been breaking this down in ways I never even imagined. Like, What's going on right now? When I break down a movie, I go deep. Really deep. <laughs> I, I got to say, taking notes on this movie like unlike the first movie there was a lot of cutting back and forth in this one a lot of scene breaks a lot of like things Mm. are happening at the same time which kind of gives it a bit more of a kinetic energy that the first movie it has but this one i feel has more of 
Well, you go. Yeah, because the there's a lot spectacle. more moving parts to this. Yeah, yeah. There was the it was a group spectacle, wasn't it? So everyone in that theater was experiencing the same one same thing on that screen. And with this, they're experiencing the screens, the blood. There's so much more going on for each individual personally in it. Like everyone's got like all these people in the gym didn't interact with the screen or the TV. They've got the blood. You've got the TV. There's just so much more going on in this. Yeah, and the the, the cutting around. I think the cutting around really. I think it's almost you look at some of these older films and sometimes they can lag a bit with the editing. Do you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. it's not as sharp as it is now. But I think this is yeah. sharp. I think this is sharp editing in this. I think it keeps it going at a real clip and a nice yeah. pace. And it kind of gives it more of a contemporary feeling. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um quick cut to <laughs> speaking of cuts, uh <laughs> shortcuts by Robert Altman. Cut to Mary middle name the last name prostitute getting in the elevator and she's surprised to see her boy george again in the elevator they kind of are very happy to see each other well, i like she goes she asked you if finished... he finished too yeah, yeah. <laughs> you finished too she goes uh, you finished too and i was like oh she's so good looking that she thinks he's just another like a male hooker we have an apartment complex here by the water in santa monica that apparently is known for those same reasons Okay, okay. If you want to know more about that, go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash podcastingafterdark to find out where said apartment complex is in Santa Monica. Is it where they filmed the opening scene of, what was it, L.A. Bounty, where the girl uh, gets attacked at the beginning? Because that was... No, I think that's Marina Del Rey. Uh, But yeah, it definitely has a similar vibe to it. It's got like a big seashell on it or something. Uh, Anyways, um, cut back to the blood seeping through the building. Dripping onto the sauna floor, the room where the guy got blood dripped on his face, he's gone. The sauna has been ripped open. That's cool. And then suddenly, the woman in the tanning bed, who's just chilling, uh, she screams because the tanning bed gets slammed down on her by demon hands. The guy has turned into a demon, of course. Blood continues to flow, breaking through the middle, breaking through the building, cutting off the security feed, where Dreadnought Ripper has been watching the screens. Dreadnought Ripper, security guard, pay, uh, employee of Zartan Enterprises. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't he be an employee of, uh, of Tomax and Z- Zaymont uh, uh, Enterprises? Yes, but I believe they worked for, I believe they worked for Destro. Oh, that's, I think that's they right. Destro. Yes, yes. Nerds. 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 Well, where's the new toys? Quick, quick cut of Nerdy Tom Bray outside Italian Nerdy Tom Bray. That's like a <laughs> that's awesome. jumbo shrimp, yeah. or no, no, that's that would be the same thing. So um, redundant. <laughs> yes, it's redundant. Cut, quick cut of Italian Tom Bray outside the building, seeing all the lights go off at the hotel. Where the hell's the records room? <laughs> uh, George and Mary, the middle name the last name prostitute, are now stuck in the elevator. Woman with dog, remember her? She's trying to reassure her dog that everything's okay and the lights will come back on soon. Reassure Italian not jo- her dog, the dog she's babysitting. Yeah, sorry, babysitting <laughs> dog. Uh, dog walker, lady. Non-dog walker. Zach is um, turning into the brule gif of just like looking around. He's trying to keep track of all these amendments that we are making to his script. <laughs> you should see my notes, yeah. <laughs> You're just like uh, starting to stretch it. Okay, uh, Italian Tom Bray. Uh. <laughs> like my pen. Italian Joey Lawrence is freaking out in his house, rightfully so, because yeah. he's like maybe nine or eight. Hannah's uh, lighting candles in her apartment, a lot of candles, and a little bit of a fire hazard on a place that has so much carpet in it. I'm just saying. Uh, cut back outside to a nerdy Italian <laughs> Tom Bray, 
asking where Jacob is. That dummy, that dummy Jacob, where is he? That dummy Jacob. Suddenly, music starts blasting and you see a, a shot of Germany over water, like a beautiful shot of a Germany a river in Germany or some, something like that. And I got to say, so the music yeah. that is playing right now is Fields of Nephilim, and the connection to hard, hardware is that the lead singer uh, for Fields of Nephilim, Carl McCoy, he played the the nomad character at the beginning of uh, the one with the gas mask and the long hair and the cap at mm-hmm. the beginning of Hardware that finds the pieces of the Mark 13. Um, that's him. That's the lead singer for Fields of Nephilim. And I have to go back and sort of recheck, but I believe the connection there was, um, I believe Richard Stanley maybe directed one of their music videos or something. Um, I'll brush up on all that before we talk to him. But uh, there is, I know that there is a connection to Fields of Nephilim and Richard Stanley as to why he got him to play the Nomad. But uh, I'd never heard any of their music, even though I'd heard of them. And I was like, oh, fucking cool. And the first time I watched it, it wasn't with subtitles, so I didn't know it was them. But then the second time I watched it, it was with subtitles. I was like, oh, fuck, that's awesome, you know? That's cool. Yeah. Look at you with the with the fun facts yeah i'm trying look at you (laughs) all handsome and shit uh cut to (laughs) a mercedes benz driving super fast and it's jacob aka a young randy orton from the wwe uh and and vince klein from uh cyborg too by the way it's like a com if randy orton and vince klein from cyborg had a baby it would be this guy jacob i was getting Fucking, I forgot his name, but the main bad guy in um, Hard Ticket to Hawaii, who like you oh, know yeah. gets scared of, gets scared of the snake and shoots at it. I was getting shades of that guy. Yeah, that guy too, for sure. I, I think yeah. this oh. guy's just too good looking to be what he's. He's playing. too good looking. He's too good looking, isn't he? To be a punk, to be. You think in the first one, we all said in the first one, like Ripper and and yeah. baby cakes and the gang they were all sweaty and disgusting yep. and and they you could take just from looking at them sitting in that car doing coke you know they all stunk just from the visuals like yeah that car oh. stinks of you guys but you look at this guy and he, he's primo isn't he, he he's he's randy orton the randy orton that's absolutely perfect the italian randy orton. but he does he looks so he looks so clean he looks so fresh it's just like we, we we spoke about this, Zach, on text. We said, like, Return of the Living Dead, you do have that element of actors right. dressed up like punks. Demons 1, it felt like they just filmed a bunch of punks. But with this one, it does feel like they've got actors dressed up as punks. In For sure, too. because yeah. his, uh, his 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 uh, passenger looks like an Italian Christy Swanson, kind of. Yeah, yeah. And, and I got to uh, say, his name is Bruno uh, Bellota. And motherfucker has been working constantly. He's in the new uh, Equalizer three movie. Really? Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, that, that good looking dude, and he can mug. act. Yeah, so. yeah, it's that mug. That's like Randy Orton. <clears throat> um, <laughs> well, hmm. So, so yeah, the we're cut to Jacob and his punk rock crew. He's got a woman in the passenger seat and a couple in the back, and they're kind of making out and getting all freaky with each other. Sort of. The passenger's freaking out because he's driving so fast, and the friends in the back are like ah don't worry about it he's kind of he's never had and jacob's like i've never had an accident and they're like yeah it's all good you know and uh and they're like hit the gas jacob otherwise we're gonna go hungry goo, goo, goo. and reminds me a little bit of um you know we see idiots driving in cars it always takes me back to toxic avenger when in the opening <laughs> of toxic avenger yeah. where the bad guys are like let's hit a kid tonight you know by the way uh side note that toxic avenger revision looks 
terrible. Thank you, I sat here with bated breath waiting for what you was going to say about that, and it does look terrible. It looks like it dog is, shit. Yeah, it absolutely. It looks like no connection star. whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, uh, give me trauma, Toxie, any, any day. Yeah. Cut to Give me Toxic Mary. Crusaders any day. To- toxic yeah. Crusaders any day. Any day. Cut to... But it, even I don't care if it's a '90s cartoon, Diallo. <laughs> it's, <burn. laughs> it's beautiful. Burn. Cut to Mary and George and the uh, Mary, middle name the last name prostitute in the elevator, banging on it, calling for help. Mary's freaking out. She's clearly claustrophobic. George is like, "There's no reason to be fr- afraid." And she's like, "I can't breathe." You know, she's literally having the meltdown. We hope we never have personally and we hope we're never around personally yeah. <laughs> yeah mary's slipping out while dry george is trying to calm her down and i'm waiting for him like when's he gonna shake her when's he gonna shake her it's coming cut to ingrid's dad uh walking the halls of the complex and here's a weird sound lights are off everywhere suddenly the john from uh next door comes out and you find out his name's mr heller ingrid's dad is mr heller and then, you know, they're asking each other, like, what the hell's going on? And John's like, there's blood dripping from the ceiling. And then I touched it. Yeah. <laughs> and it burns. And look at my fingers. Oh, fingers they are look like... up. <laughs> I'd be like, they... look at my fucking finger. <laughs> <laughs> they look, my thumb. They look like the, what you know, the guys who come off of Everest who have, um, what do you call it? Uh, Frost frostbite, yeah. Yeah. frostburn, where it's just charred. His fingers like look disgusting, and I'm like, this dude will be dead very soon. Mister Heller, get your kids, get your wife, get out. Hide oh, your wife, hide your kids. <laughs> oh, and, and and their and their grandfather, I think that lives with them. Oh yeah. I'm assuming that's their grandfather because there's some old dude sitting at the table too. Oh yeah, I mean, he kind of doesn't really. I almost kind of forget about them until the end. You know, when they come down there with with you know. Anyways, poor, we'll get to Mr. it. Yeah, we'll get to that. I, I, I did Cut to the... something very silly one day with um, thinking about those fingers. Those fingers are horrific. And uh, we, I had a cup. I've got a cup. I've still got this cup. But this cup is oh, just God. like a China cup yeah. with a golden handle, yeah? And it's just like painted gold handle. And uh, I put this cup in the microwave just to warm something up in it, not thinking about this golden handle. I opened the microwave after a minute, picked it up, and the thing fused to my fingers. Oh. Like those two fingers, oh. yeah. And luckily, the sink was full of water. I just had to sink it in there and just pull my fingers off, and they ended up looking like this guy's thing. And this, this guy, the, the, the way I react, I'm never going to use the language that came out of my mouth for that second when I, <laughs> when I touched this golden cup. And, and you you're can't telling use me. the language on our show? <laughs> and this guy just comes nonchalantly just walking out like, oh yeah, there was blood and it burned me. And his fingers are mangled. Absolutely <laughs> mangled. It's like, he looks like he stuck him in a in a garbage disposal. Yeah, you could have played this up just a, just a tad more on this one, you know. With that makeup, you know, you could have played with it a bit going, oh, oh. But no, maybe no. maybe he's maybe he's attracted to Mr. Heller and he wants to like kind of give him you know I'm a tough guy. Look at how tough Check I am. Check out these my... fingers. Oh, I'll never use these <laughs> bastards again. <laughs> yeah, you gonna watch some TV with me in my bedroom? It smells like coconut oil in there. David, your, uh, your story reminds me of uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, where you know he picks up the medallion out of the fire and it burns his hands. <laughs> oh yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah completely. <laughs> totally. That, yeah, what? Yeah. So I guess I can just picture your face being like. Ah! It was. It really was. Just ah! You're like, I still have the medallion imprinted into my fingers. <laughs> right? You cut to the woman with her dog. Uh, sorry, the dog non-walker. Yeah. And uh, she. 
the dog is walks over to the dripping blood in the apartment. He looks down at it. He starts barking at the blood. The woman tries to call to it. Doesn't respond. Cut to the fitness center where Hank and his workout crew are. And he's like, all right, better stop working out. Lights, lights are blinking, right? Or the, the, the power's going out. The guy on the uh, butterfly machine is just a, he's a madman, dude. He does not stop ever. I think that's Mueller because he's like, Mueller, do you hear what I said? (laughs) And you, you boy, you know, do what you want to do. He's like, Mueller's the one that gets the great dubbing, isn't he? When he says, uh, you know, muscle and no brains, boy. And he goes, uh, it, it, it gets, it's 100% a Stallone ripoff, isn't it? The voice. Oh, oh, oh that yeah. guy later? Oh, that, sh- yeah, that, that guy later. I don't think that's Mueller because I think Mueller gets killed here. The guy on the, the butterfly. Does. But yeah, that dude, uh, later he's like in blue shorts. He's got he's like long him. hair yeah, and he's like, yeah, yeah. and he's got, he's all ripped, but he looks like a fucking goon. Like he's a straight up goon. <laughs> I, I didn't give this scene earlier enough justice, but when they, when you first get introduced to the fitness center, it is straight out of like something like Death Spa, where half the, the dudes are all shirtless wearing banana hammock shorts, and uh, you know the women are all wearing like leotards, and it's very hilarious. The guys are all oiled up, and it's just it's spot on eighties beauty. I mean, it, it it's the best. It's the best and worst of the '80s that we love. At least the the floor isn't carpeted like the gym in Ninja Three: The Domination, because that is disgusting. Oh, yes. I actually God, can't never... remember that. I forgot about that. I f- he's in the gym. In the that is disgusting. That's so vile. <laughs> You're like That's I'm like, so carpet? disgusted. I had to burn oh. that from my memory. <laughs> yeah, I stayed I stayed in an Airbnb recently, and um, when I got there, they had carpet in the bathroom. Carpet on the side of the bath. Carpet on the wall around the toilet. It's just... That's just pee. Pee's everywhere. It's all you know pee. It. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they're pee and probably crabs. Uh, like, there's crabs in there. I they remember, Zach. I know that story, Zach. Oh, I know, know that, that story, story. Going back to that episode. <laughs> <laughs> We've all been traumatized by that story, By that buddy. story. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Hey, everybody. Corey here. I just wanted to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. Hey, everybody. I'm Tim. And I'm Dean. And we're the hosts of Talking Back. We're a retro-based podcast covering movies, comics, video games, and more. Check us out every Monday where we hit the rewind button and dig into some of our favorite content from the past. We like to keep things fun, lighthearted, and informative. Do you feel like you need more nostalgia in your life? Then check out Talking Back. We're available everywhere podcasts are found. I'm John, and I'm the host of Action Action. Every week, I'm joined by James. hey And Dustin. Hello. And each week, we review, debate, and rank a different action movie. We're creating the ultimate list of action movies. From awful to awesome. So if you want to hear three more white guys with beards talk about action movies. And argue about where they belong on our list. And decide you hate us because we've made fun of your favorite movie. Join us every Tuesday, and you can find us on your favorite podcatcher. And Steven Seagal mm. is a joke. <laughs> and now, back to the show. Anyways, uh, the Mueller kind of blows off Hank, and you cut to the security guard, uh, security guard Dreadnought Ripper. And Employed by Destro Inc. <laughs> by Destro Inc., yes. Uh, he's calling He's calling someone, and he's like, there's no lights, and the elevators are blocked, and the doors are locked, and nobody can come in or go out, and I don't know why. And suddenly blood drips on the phone cord and cuts the phone line. 
security security guard dreadnought ripper from destro inc uh is panicked <laughs> he grabs his flashlight walks over to the front door of the complex he's banging on it but doesn't open cut back to a uh, woman non-lady dog walker whatever the fuck her name is uh, no name yeah i don't think she had a name yeah no, no we just know davy people. yeah yeah ain't got a name um they <laughs> There, she's talking to herself, and and she's and she's like she's literally like having a monologue with herself. It's pretty funny. And she's like, "We better turn the TV off, and the electricity comes back on, and who knows? It could explode the air conditioning and the stupid building. You can't open the windows, and the double pane blue, the double panes bulletproof. And they say, I feel like I'm in a sauna. Oh my gosh, <laughs> it's really funny. And then and then she's she's thinking about Davy. She's calling for her dog, the dog she's watching, <clears throat> and she could see him at the end of the hallway. And you can see his glowing eyes. And he's sitting there very ominously, a la the thing. And she walks towards him with her glow light that she has. It's like a weird, looks like a... Uh, I have one of those. Use... I have one of those things. Oh, Seriously, do you just... use it to kill mosquitoes? <laughs> no, no, no. It is, it's an 80s flashlight. It's, it's, you can, it's got like two functions. I've got, like, if, if, if I had time, I'm moving at the moment. I've got boxes next to me and I literally have one of those things. I found one in a second hand store, brand new in the box. And, I, and, I, and I, I've used it for film sets and stuff. Because oh, the, cool. the, the bit that she uses, like the side light, it's got like a side light and it's got a flashlight. There's, it's like a multi-function thing. And the side light gives you a really nice glow, like a natural glow. It's, it's the, the bit she's using. It's, uh, it exists. It's just a flashlight. It's just a, a double-use flashlight. There was a time when bigger was better, quote-unquote. Yeah. <clears throat> and, uh, and then we realized, no, smaller has got a lot more power in it. Take that Where, where's, this going? Want to take this. <laughs> where's this going? Where's this going? You know what I'm saying? Like, you know what I'm saying, s- guys. Come on. There's a guys, <laughs> better, right? S- SPC, Small Penis Club. And, uh, and, and, and so there's that bit on Saturday Night Live where their phones are getting smaller and smaller and smaller, the cell phones. You know, because we are technology is making it easier or whatever but there was a time when it was just so big and yeah that is a classic 80s flashlight ridiculous like how big do you need this it's, thing? it's a lamp it's a lamp that turns into a, a flashlight lamp. that's what it is that's go. what it is there's two functions on it that's the best way to describe it it exists it's, a necklace too. it's a real thing what i love about this though is the dog you know comes towards her and you see the blood the quick cut to the shot of blood pouring down from the ceiling dripping she asks if the dog licked the blood. You didn't lick, oh, that, you didn't did lick you? it, did you? Oh. And, the, and the dog looked at her and he's like, what the fuck do you think I am, a human? I, I mean, woof. Uh, and, and then he suddenly, said, of course I fucking licked it. I'm a fucking dog. Yeah, I eat on. poop. Of course. It's, I'm, I'm the son of Sam. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, and then suddenly, straight out of the thing, his the skin on the dog's uh, face starts peeling back, revealing a demon face. Cool. And it is yeah. so cool. Uh, it, it's straight out of the thing. It's a total, quote unquote, homage. Uh, and starts the the woman dog walker lady. She starts panicking. She's trying to get out of her apartment. You now know she's got got double pane windows, so no one can hear her banging or yelling that she needs help. Uh, she walks into the curtain of her window, rips the curtain down, and the dog attacks her and charges her and starts biting through the curtain on her face. And it's kind of a subtle gore moment because you don't see a whole lot of gore which you don't i don't think you really need but it's effective yeah i just wish i mean there were two doors between that dog and her before she got to like you know the main door who it's like close just close those doors you know but 
I do like the effect of the of the the dog's mouth coming out because it was also they were able to give that as a prosthetic to the to the dog. Like they it's thought about like okay, if you how look, are we if you do look this? carefully, yeah, if you look carefully, it's a muzzle. That's all they've done, but it makes perfect yes, sense. Yeah, it makes it perfect works, sense. It works yeah. great for those yeah. few shots where you see Davy with it. And I just, I got to give them props for just thinking that through. And mm. the close-up shot of the dog's head is all fake when, when the teeth are coming out. That is a great fake dog head. Yeah, really good. I agree. Yeah, totally. Totally agree. Quick cut to Sally's apartment. It's party time. Do you want a party? <laughs> all the demons break down the door. They charge out. Cut to Mary, uh, cut to George and Mary, middle name, the last name, prostitute, uh, in the elevator, freaking out, trying to get out. And there, George is able to open up the elevator door slightly. Uh, it's maybe three, two or three feet uh, from the floor uh, to the ceiling, like that much space. And he's able to get a little bit of it open. And you see all the demons rolling down the hallway. Uh, and then Sally stops in the middle of where the elevator is while they're yelling help 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 and she's like looking at them but not looking at them having her like guttural meltdown oh i'm going through the change and uh she's not she's not talking she's making that you know evil lead noise and obviously this freaks out george and mary middle name the last name prostitute uh who back up she screams, and then she continues running down the hallway in slow motion. Yeah. She's a slow motion runner a la Baywatch. It's very sexy. Not really, but sort of. And suddenly George thinks of Hannah and says, she's alone. And he goes back to trying to open the elevator. Cut to Hannah in her apartment, lighting her theatrical candles. <laughs> There's about 20 or 30 candles lit in her place. And... Um, she goes to pick up the phone. It doesn't work. She goes to the little call box by the door to call Frank, AKA security guard, dreadnought ripper from Destro Inc. And then she gets a pain in her belly. Uh Oh, and we can talk about the original ending of this or the original written ending of this, potentially what was supposed to happen to said baby in her belly. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause I don't know that. So let's save that. I, for... I don't actually know that. Yeah. I, I've always suspected, but I didn't know that. I, yeah, this okay. is, this is, yeah. Yeah, this so, is a new what, one on me, Zachy baby. Yeah. Lay it, it on a, a sack of... when we get to the, the actual, you know, that. Yeah. We're, we're getting mm. there. We're getting there. And then she's she's talking to her baby and she's like, "Not this is not the right time to come into this world. And I'm like, actually, this is a very cool moment because you're, you're going, holy shit, like she could be going through contractions while all hell's breaking loose. Quick cut to the demons charging down the hallway. Suddenly, Mueller and the dude in the gym who are still working out, they get attacked by the demons, of course. Yeah. <laughs> and he gets his he's on his like fly machine with his packs, you know, and uh, he gets crushed. Some similar, but not to uh, Death Spa. You know, it's classic. Like that's a great way to die for a for a meathead. Yeah, Death Spa was Dude, a little better. I wanted a little bit more gore. There's a lot of times totally in this agree. movie where I want a little bit more gore, but knowing that this would had to have been made so quickly, I kind of give it a pass. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. all good. Let's race through this. This is a great moment though because all the gym rats are being attacked. By- <laughs> all the gym rats are being attacked in the in the gym they're throwing weights and bars at them uh hank is is fighting them off as well he realizes it's futile to fight them off so he tells he yells at everyone to get out of there so they run out of the gym while the demons chase after them 
uh, slowly, I, slowly I like how grabbing one, some. I like how one girl yeah. gets, you know, she's the last one, just proving, you know, that you don't ever have to outrun the zombie, the demon, or the bear. You just have to be faster than your slowest friend. <laughs> totally agree. Uh, at one point, Hank actually picks up a potted plant and throws it <laughs> yeah. at the zombies, which is really funny. And they run to the, ac- the entrance slash exit of the uh, fitness spa, but it's locked. They can't get out. And by the Cut way, back to, sorry, no, by, by the way, I called them beefcakes throughout this entire thing. And uh, when Myra and I were in San Francisco, um, I was like, hey, we were walking around and there was we were over by the by the Presidio and everything. And this like minivan, but not like a big minivan kind of pulls over. And I'm just like, look, I look, you know, because they're sort of right next to us and like eight massively like bulky like good looking hunky guys like get out i'm just like shocked because it's like one after the other after the other and i nudge myra and i go look at all the beefcakes and she's like she's like food where and i was like no beefcakes right there and they just kept piling out of this car i was like how do you how do you fit so many in there so. i don't call it the yay area for nothing hey. yay <laughs> um <laughs> Cut back to Italian Tom Bray, who's still waiting for Jacob. Damn it. Cut back to the gym rats trying to... I, you call them beefcakes, I call that, them gym that's rats. That's fine. I won't and make I you change. Gym rat. So, uh, Cut back to the gym rats trying to use the phone in the fitness center. Nothing's working. Everyone's panicking. Hank grabs a barbell and fights off a demon that comes out of nowhere. And they, they exit down the stairs and he yells to head to the garage. They get into the garage and start turning headlights on on the cars so that it's it's not too dark in there for them. Uh, the gym rats barricade the door to the stairway, and Hank grabs an axe at this point. He grabs a fire extinguisher, too, but he gives it to another gym rat and yells to him how to figure it out. And the gym rat says, what does he say, David? Do you remember? I, uh, yeah, I pull the pin and, uh... <laughs> That's pretty much it, isn't it? You're muscle and no brains, boy. <laughs> That's what Hank says back. Yeah, it's hilarious because he, like, he's reading the instructions, instructions. Of, the, <laughs> of the fire extinguisher. Um, that, and they go, this, this happens really fast. So the gym rats are, are trying to open the garage door to the, the underground parking, and it won't open. Um, you know, one woman yells out, we need a remote control. She asks a friend if she has her car. And suddenly, like, you see a bunch of gym rats pushing a car really easily <laughs> towards the door of the uh, the of the, the entrance to the garage. I'm like, holy shit, they're they're strong. Well, that's that's because that's all the beefcakes know how to do. They all they only know how to destroy and move things around. And <laughs> yeah. I was like, they're just playing up to their their only natural abilities. <laughs> There's a but, lot of carnage that goes on in the garage. And before the demons even get yes, there, they're like smashing shit and breaking <laughs> It's like turning cars on and just driving them into walls and you know, there's a lot of a lot of chaos going on. Chaos. Now we get to my favorite scene of the movie. One of my favorite scenes. Second scene number two with Italian Joey Lawrence, his bedroom. Remember him, guys? We hadn't seen him in a while. Uh you get a cool shot of Snake Mountain as the camera pans to his bed. Yeah. And then you realize the cool Snake Mountain that has the uh the wolf microphone. Mm-hmm. It's broken and ripped off of Snake Mountain. The snake that's curved that is like used to knock He-Man characters off of Snake Mountain, it's broke next to Snake Mountain. 
and Fisto, who's sitting on top of said snake. Poor Fisto. It just he did all the he's the beefcake that did all the damage to Snake Mountain. Here's a question. Here's a question. Do you well? I can't remember this thing when you bought it new from the box. But when you got it, did you have to assemble it? Because mm. this was this was this one of these things. D- did the Italians get it and go? Oh, we do not understand these instructions. They're all in English. Oh fuck! I just think put so. It it's got to be that, hasn't it? Yeah. It has to be. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. I think so. You had to put all the stickers on it, and then you know some people didn't put them on correctly. They're all folded over, and then you like rip it, pull it back, and it rips off. And <laughs> yeah. yeah, you got to put all the pieces together. You can feel the pressure on those stickers, can you? You got one chance, kid. You got one chance. <laughs> Literally. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, they they dropped the ball on those stickers because they should have done the color forms. You guys remember color forms, right? Those were cool. Yeah, it was yeah. like the the cool background, but they they didn't. They made stickers that were not meant to be used more than once. The amount of Ghostbusters firehouses I saw, and you know the Ghostbusters logo yeah. that used yep. to clip on, and kids had stuck it on there, crooked and wonky. Yep. And it's just like, oh, you fucked up, and you really slipped out on that one. Yeah, you, you, right? you just know, you know, there was no, there was no going back. There's no second chances. There's no going back. You get one shot at this. Well, I was shocked when I got, um, I got the Prince Adam and the what the Sky Sled Zach. Uh, they kind of come together. Um, yeah, and. I thought I was talking about the new toy. Yeah, talk about the new toy. Yep, it's one of the new ones, um, one of the new Masters of the Universe ones. And I fully expected to have to put the stickers on the Sky Sled. They come already put on, and they even had different ones. You could switch the side panels off, and those were just already pre-applied to like a piece of plastic that you pop on and off. And I was like, wow, like there's you don't even have to apply the stickers anymore. They just come automatically done. Just like our generation figured out that we should go to therapy to figure out our issues, uh, our generation also figured out all the trauma that was associated with putting those stickers on in the 80s, yeah. and they fixed it. True. So thank True. you, our generation. You're welcome, future generation. Yep. Um, so little Joey Lawrence, he's, he's on top of his bunk bed. He's freaking out, clearly, because his parents aren't home yet. Um, he's holding his little Sylvester the cat and his toy gun. He gets down to investigate, though. He leaves his apartment and uh, closes the door, which locks behind him. And he goes to other doors to see what else is going on, but there's no one in the hallways. He hears the demons coming up the stairs. And he runs to Sally's apartment, goes inside, and sees it's totally trashed. Uh, But the cake, her birthday cake, is sitting there pretty on the table. It'll factor in a little bit again. And he sees a doorway start to open in her apartment, and he freaks out and he runs out. Turns out, there's two normal people in there at the moment. Little Joey Lawrence runs back into the hallway to his place, and he pounds on the door, but he can't get in because he's locked out. And he hears the phone ringing. It's his mom calling. He pushes on the door, and you see, like, the door doesn't give, but there's a piece of fabric on it because it's like a pretend door or something, and the fabric is moving. And then he now is crying, clearly, because he's traumatized. And he runs back down the hallway, and Sally, well, there's a demon coming after him. He sees a ventilation shaft, and he goes inside it, closes the the screen of it. You can still hear the phone ringing from his apartment. Suddenly, you see Sally, the demon, coming down the hallway. He's trying to be quiet in his shaft, and she goes right up to the shaft entrance, uh, the entrance to the I shaft. Saw, I saw you he- there, Corey. I saw that. <laughs> like, I know, guys. I'm, I'm so, trying to go over it. I know. I'm, so, I'm trying not to laugh. You Dude, nearly so. got away with that. Yeah, you nearly got away with that one, Zach. You it's okay. 
because uh, it's going to get worse because uh, little Joey Lawrence goes up the shaft, goes into, goes deeper into the shaft, and uh, and Sally, uh, she opens up the shaft and sticks her head inside the shaft to look around for him, but he's kind of hiding in his part of the shaft, and uh, and she she takes off right. We cut to her mom. Jo- we cut to Joey Lawrence's mom who is on the phone and says uh, she's like at a subway train station and she walks, she gets off the phone. She walks up the stairs to her husband and she's like, he doesn't answer. And the husband's like, he's fine. He's probably sleeping. Don't worry about it. And dad don't <laughs> give no fucks whatsoever. That's why dad dies. Yeah. And I don't uh, believe so what if he's I... dead? We'll have another one. Come on. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> You want another one? I'll put another one in your belly. This how it works. Science. Science. And Real this is another one. Honey, the... Give me a six pack. <laughs> and this is another one of the, the shaky scenes because they're filming it in, in public. Right, yeah. right. I mean, Doug Lyman figured it out when he shot Swingers. He's probably watched Demons 2 and he's like, I'm not going to make that mistake. <laughs> yep. I know, it just came to me. Get cut back to George and Mary, middle name, the last name prostitute in the elevator. Frank, the Frank, a.k.a. Uh, Rip, Ripper, Ripper, the security guard, <laughs> Des- Dreadnought Ripper from Destro, Inc. I'm uh, sorry that we did them. this to you, Zach. <laughs> no, I, it's, I got it. I can handle it. And he's trying to open the door. Suddenly, out of nowhere, Sally appears and rips half his face off. That was cool. I mean, and it's also cool yeah. that he was he had this little heroic moment. He was about to help, and then he got fucked. You know, I was like, ah, I like yeah, him. Should have gone. Yeah, so Dread, uh, I'm done t- yes. saying security card Dreadnought Ripper uh, from Destro Inc. Yeah, because you don't and even he, see him in, in zombie form later. Like, you don't even see him as a demon or anything. Well, he starts to open his eyes, right? right. He gets up and walks away. But uh, Yeah, they, but she Sally pays no attention to George and Mary, middle name, the last name prostitute in the elevator. And they just keep walking down the hallway. Um, Sally, as in the, we, they, all of them. Yeah. Back to the garage. Gym rats have now set a fire and uh, on the car that's blocking the door to the stairway, because that's what you do in a in a in a, a poorly ventilated area. You light a fire on a car in this moment. Uh, yeah, if, 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 if you were stuck in this moment and they're suggesting, right, let's set fire to the car this side of the door. Yeah, would right. Would you would you go right? You got this is the option. We're going to have to set something on fire. Wouldn't it make more sense? And correct me if I'm wrong in this, but you just siphon right. the gas out of on the cars pour it underneath the door and then just wait until you hear them there then and that's it and just let them set them alight from the other side at least you've got some sort of the, the the fire is not immediately in the room with you at that moment it it, it never quite tracked yeah let's set fire to say... our room on our side of the door while they're there okay yeah let's do that they're beefcakes man they, they don't know yeah, 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 yeah. uh you pull the pin i think we've got it all i think we know everything we need to know but, the, uh, but at just, least Hank calls it out, though. You know, at least yeah, he, yeah. He, he does call it out that they're yes. going to suffocate if that fire keeps, you know, raging. Yeah. Put that fire out. Yeah, exactly. Um, because, yeah, right after this quick shot of quick shot of Jacob and his crew driving down the road. And again, uh, Italian Christy Swanson tells him to slow down. And Jacob's like, I told you already. I've never been in an accident. Quick cut back to the garage where suddenly the demons are at the door where the fire is. They've, and they don't 
get a well they get slightly afraid of the fire then they jump over the fire over the car that's blocking the entrance that's why you pull the gas underneath the door and wait until they're there then and that's it they're gone Blow clearly david you side. are not a gym rat then steroids <laughs> have not why, shrunk yeah. your brain yeah 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 um, I, I like how the demons are first are scared and like oh wait no we can just jump over it and yeah, not a problem right so you know i i think after this hank mentions to everyone to basically search every car and find what you can find but he finds a shotgun with <laughs> shells and he loads up his shotgun and he starts blasting some of the demons with it which is really awesome uh, a gym rat finds an axe on a on one of the pillars, grabs it, plunges it into the demon into a demon's neck. Very effective kill, by the way. I love that kill. Mm-hmm. Um, Hank takes out another demon with a shotgun, and that's when he says to, to all the gym rats to put out that fire or we'll suffocate. Evil Joey, uh, evil Joey Lawrence, little Joey Lawrence's uh, Italian Joey Lawrence's parents are driving down the road. Uh, the dad, the mom's driving. Dad tells the mom, oh. slow down. <laughs> and uh, we're going to get him pulled over by the police. And <laughs> well, the, the mom's mom's driving, oh, it's so. Mario. This is the Mario Kart moment now. Then. And it all clicks for me with the accident that's going to come up uh, in a little bit. Because, uh, oh, the mom's driving. I get it. Okay. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> burn. Sexist burn. <laughs> Sexist burn. Mom said uh, that, that, you know, the mom's like our sons might be in danger and you don't think and you think about the police and the dad says i don't i think you're worrying for nothing and the mom says i'm sorry i can't help it if my sixth sense tells me to worry i but i hope it but i hope i'm mistaken and that's a fact moms do have a sixth sense and women do listen to the women in your life because they know what's up um and then the dad's like he's asleep and she goes i I know he's not, right? Cut back to the gym. Cut back to the garage. Gym rats are uh, yelling, they're coming back, right? Because there's there's multiple entrances to this garage. Yeah. And on the other entrance, mm-hmm. you see people coming in. But it's other people from the apartment complex building, uh, including Ingrid and her parents. And they uh, that's when Hank instructs everyone to, you know, basically move all the cars so that they can block themselves in. He tells everyone to search everything. He gets on top of a car and gives this big, you know, Cyrus speech a la the Warriors. You know, search all the cars, take anything you want, anything anything that can be used. Chains, uh, bottles filled with gas to make, basically make Molotov cocktails. He goes, it's our only chance, now move it! <laughs> he would have made an awesome roadblock, by the way. Yeah! There's your casting for G.I. Joe the movie. Take that Dwayne Johnson. And it's cool that they took, you know, his character, which, you know, it's almost like this movie's everything that we like about the first one. Let's expand upon it. David, you mentioned that, I think, last time, in the last movie we were talking about it, because they, they make the eyeball stuff with the demons even better, the, the reflective eyes, yeah. and then they give Bobby more to do here. So it's like, what really worked? And you could you could see this conversation with the writer and the producer and the director and everything. What really worked in the first movie? And let's let's really solidify that in the second movie. And I think, you know, Bobby Rhodes is one of the things that we all agreed. Well, I'd say Zach proposed the question, or I think David did, like, like would we have liked to have seen more um, uh, Bobby Rhodes in the first movie? And I think the two of you wanted to see more, and I was, like, a little apprehensive. But here I think it does show 
that, you know, given giving Bobby Rhodes a bit more to chew on and a bit more to do, he can keep a character alive longer and keep that character interesting and everything. I think we get enough of him in this one. I think we get enough yeah. of him. I think in the last one we didn't get enough, and I think okay. in this one they do make up for it. You know, it's uh, I, I, I do think that. I think they definitely sat down, because it was a really quick turnaround on this, and I think they literally put Demons 1 at can. Uh, everyone bought the thing, and then they and everyone who bought the thing was like, "Well, where's the sequel? Where's the sequel?" And they're like, well, right. "We we got hit, we got hit this while it's hot." And because there's no other sequels to any other Lambo or Dario Argento films, this is the only one that's got a straight sequel to it. So they they knew this was a cash cow, and they had to jump on it. And I th- I really think they probably watched this with audiences and saw the reactions, what people liked, and went, "Okay, we want this again. We want this again. We want this again." And tried to make right. a. I think they tried to make a crowd pleaser with it, and I think they succeeded. I yeah. think they did a good job of it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm still I'm like full on invested right now at yeah, this point. Completely. Yeah. So at this point, we cut back to George and Mary, middle name the last name prostitute, back in the elevator. You're going to have to you say see, that for a little bit longer. <laughs> I got one more thing I got to yeah. say. Uh, uh, Frank, aka Dread, uh, security guard Dreadnought Ripper from Destro Inc. Inc. <laughs> is dead. Uh, his eyes are open, but then he starts blinking. And Mary starts, pa- Mary, middle name, the last name prostitute, starts panicking. And he grabs his hand through the elevator. Uh, like, basically, it's the, the door is open wide enough for him to reach through and grab her by the hair. She's able to break free. And he gets up and runs off. And uh, this is like, I keep going back to the scalping because that is my favorite kill in the first movie. And I don't think we get any any one effect as good as that one like a kill Agreed. in this yeah. one um and i do wish she got scalped but then we wouldn't have that fun jump scare that when george gets on top of the roof of the elevator we wouldn't have that fun little jump scare if he was aware that she was killed basically well, th- this is kind of a cross between the scalping in the first one and the oh, what was the, the main the, girl ki- the main hannah, character the hannah the, the yeah. hannah the hannah go in the um in, in the air duct, do you remember? Yeah. Hannah, that's my girl! Yes. And it's kind of a, a cross between those two scenes in this, isn't it? The elevator shaft. Stuck in the elevator, then the elevator shaft is like a cross between the scalping in the room and the, yeah. the vent in the first one. Yeah, they kind of combined elements of that for this shaft scene. And we get shades of those elements of the vent uh, later when they find those two people sort of at the climax and they kind yeah. of turn quickly and, and sort of surprisingly. I think that was also shades of the vent. And kind of going back to your discussion, David, I'm sure they all were aware when they watched it how well that vent scene worked in Demons 1. But I will say they never achieve anything that good or like that in this movie. I think that is something no. that truly stands out in the first movie. I agree. Yeah, this this movie is lighter, way lighter on gore and just more on pacing. Yes. Like it's it's yeah. very quick because uh you know, we cut to the garage again and then Hank is instructing everyone what to grab and Ingrid's mom is comforting her, but she's kind of panicking uh and the and Ingrid's dad goes to help. Cut to Hannah in her apartment waiting quietly by the door. Like a good wife. <laughs> like a like a good wife. <laughs> Hannah is there. And Sally, and then quick cut to Sally's room. Uh, Sally, so the, the door that had opened, that little Italian Joey Lawrence uh, saw open earlier, inside that room is where uh, 
Olga or Ula or Olga and I, her boyfriend, which I think his name's Danny. She might say Danny at one point. Um, she's saying how she's cold and he hugs her and she's like, you know, don't leave me. <sighs> Cut back to Jacob, AKA Randy Orton, uh, love child. He runs a red light and he grabs his passenger's thigh <laughs> close up of her Christy, Italian Christy Swanson's thigh. And David, I was completely shocked. This is when we're talking about going for deep dives in movies. Dak sends me the text message going, have you seen the hairy leg shirt? And I was like, what is he talking about? Hairy legs? And like, within, like I said, in five minutes, in full HD on my screen, I was like, oh, those hairy legs. Okay. And I'd never seen that before. That's that's real, some real deep dive stuff there, Zach. That's, uh, we, go, we really go for it on podcasting after dark. And your poster just totally just dip down ah, right after you yeah said you're that. so weird deadly friends <laughs> deadly friend yeah I, so and i thought rock i thought that was roxy but behind you by the way but it's actually the woman from v on your <laughs> what that one the toxic yes. avenger oh no no sorry. no no <laughs> it's funny things that i've noticed in hd recently that i never noticed before um i never noticed uh myra and i watched bram stoker's dracula the other night i never noticed that anthony hopkins was one of the priests at the beginning of the movie where uh dracula like renounces god and everything really and i was like oh he, uh, so kind of created this idea that, that there's this like eternal thing happening i was like never noticed that um 500 plus viewings of aliens and my last viewing yeah. my, with my nephew was the first time i ever realized that sigourney weaver had underarm hair uh in that movie uh when she's waking up i was like oh interesting and then now demons 2 uh the hairiest leg i've ever seen on tv <laughs> in my life <laughs> and you are welcome <clears throat> did you only just spot this this time when you watched it zach or did it was yes. this Okay. It was the third viewing where I was like, I'm going to get my magnifying lens out and dig a little bit deeper on this episode. <laughs> <laughs> this is where I got to take notes. Got to take notes. No, it was second viewing, actually. Second viewing. So uh, after this red light and the leg grab, uh, it just so happens that little Joey Lawrence's parents are driving at the exact same time and they crash into each other. Uh, they swerve out of the way, and there's a big accident. Uh, and it just also so happens that this is right in front of the hotel high-rise where uh, Italian Tom Bray has been waiting forever for Jacob forever. <laughs> and it and just so, so happens that there's an ambulance waiting for this crash. Just that, because yeah. it, gets there it just rolls deal. up. Yeah, it's you need a supply uh, ambulance rolls up. And uh, Italian Tom Bray checks on everybody to make sure they're okay. But they're and not. Little Joey, they're not. Because I think Jacob is dead. The uh, Italian Christy Swanson's probably. No, Jacob is like still alive. Yeah, but... I think everyone in that car is alive, even though I kind of liked how realistically bloody they all were. And I liked how like the cars didn't explode. Like it kind of felt like a pretty realistic accident and very tragic right. because it seems like. The little kid's parents do die. Um, unfortunately, we also get the shaky, you know, kind of shit in this one, too. Um, True. Which sucks because the culmination of these two things, I think it was a really cool departure and not something I at all expected. I thought something else would happen. But the fact that these two storylines just end with this crash and they, these people never even become demons. Like, no part of the movie sort of happens to them, but yet they're still affected by what happens in the movie. It's cool. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I got nothing bad. Good no, talk. No, it's true. No. 
It's it good. is, it, and, and it, I forgot. It layers it up. It, it, it gives it gives it some good layers, doesn't it? With this, like with these multiple stories going on, and and not everything is demon related, and that's kind of nice. Like in the first one, I think every kind of death was. I think everything was demon related, wasn't yeah. it? In this, it's just it's just happenstance. This this happens, and 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 like you say, there is a tragedy to it that adds to the main story because uh, Joey Lawrence's parents are dead. You know, he's he's waiting for his parents to come home to save him. You think there might be some kind of redeeming factor there. But now you, you really know Joey Lawrence is fucked. Yeah, like they're, they're like, yeah, yeah. yeah his his whole life is complete. He's got fucked. He's got broken masters of the universe. So as he's got dead parents, he's going to be a demon. That <laughs> kid's life sucks. If you if you break Mattel toys, Mattel will put a curse on you to turn you into a demon. <laughs> because uh, I, I forgot to mention when when little Joey Lawrence was in the uh, when he was in his shaft, shaft. Uh, when he got his shaft on. The blood dripped on his shoulder, and then he mm. looked up because the blood was seeping through. So that's important to note because you cut back to Hannah, and she hears a jiggling uh, on her front door handle. She asks who it is. It's little Joey Lawrence, and he's like, my parents went out, and I'm frightened. Please help me. She looks out the peephole. She can't see him because he's not a dog, and he can't jump up in the, in the peephole like uh, Davy did, <laughs> And uh, which you never see that dog, by the way, again. But well, I guess he's, he's stuck in the apartment, right? Because she oh, couldn't yeah, get true. out the door, so yeah. That, he's got plenty to yeah, you know, yeah. feed on. Yeah, right? feed on her. He so can crap on her like, carpets now. There you go. She's going to get out right. <laughs> You know that demon crap's going to melt right through the floor, too. <laughs> she opens up the door, and little Joey Lawrence is now a demon child, and he pushes his face through the door. She has the wherewithal to actually have the chain on the door, which is smart. And he's panicking, and he's wedged between the door, but it's wide enough for him to kind of squeeze through, and Hannah starts panicking. And I like seeing a kid get turned into a zombie, like a 10-year-old kid. It's about time. Yeah. It's It's about time. And it goes back to the days of the blob when, you know, a 10-year-old kid gets, you know, blobbed in the sewers and stuff. It's just you don't see kids getting fucked up in movies anymore like this. No. It's beautiful. I always wondered if it was actually the kid in the makeup. Me too. I, I, yeah, I thought it could have been a dwarf. They just yeah. got hired a dwarf actor and got him to do the demon. I did. I, I don't know. You can't. It's it, when you see the wide shot of him come through the door. It's just the, the actual size of him. I don't know if it actually. I don't think it literally measures up to what the, the size of the kid. I right. think he's just a bit small. Yeah, I think he is a bit smaller. I think he's like an adult actor, just a small person. I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, there's a quick cut of the Molotov cocktails being handled handed out to everyone in the garage. Hank's checking on the progress. Ingrid's dad tells Hank, you know, there's nothing they can do. They've been trying to, they've been trying to get the garage door open, but they can't cut back to Hannah and her little demon lover. (laughs) And uh, little Joey Lawrence has gotten into the house. He's chasing her around her apartment. She goes into the kitchen. She grabs a knife. Suddenly, a little demon child comes in, but he starts, like, having a panic attack, and he falls onto the ground convulsing, and his chest bursts open, and out pops a gremlin-looking winged troll demon, and Hannah screams. Out pops runs Uncle out the... Impy from Slimeball Ball. <laughs> well, yeah, he really is Uncle Impy. This was, this was actually put in way. there. This was actually put in there because, because of gremlins, demons, Uncle Impy, everything. They, they've said that. They said, we knew we need to capitalize on this little monster kind of thing. And so that's, that's completely why they put that in there. And whether they knew it or not, the, the conversation maybe people were having, uh, David, that you mentioned in the last movie, where did we think that that one, one that came out of Kathy was going to be 
um, you know, a short one or something, but it, it yeah. wasn't. But this, I think, kind of is like, it's sort of like their answer to being like, you know what? I think this is how we, we should have done the first one. I think you're right completely. Again, if we were going back to this was a quick turnaround and they were taking looking at that feedback that people are giving them and then people saying, oh, the small one, the small one. I, th- I, we, we, I think many people thought that was a small one that came out of the back because logistically it should have been a small one that came out of a human being's back. So I think they, they, they heard that and then played on it and, right, okay, we're going to do a, a gremlin, a demon's gremlin or a demon's yeah. ghoulie. And the only thing I got to say, I mean, I'll just I'll say it now and then Zach will take us through it all. This is kind of my least favorite part of the movie, though. I, I This is kind of the part I mm. don't think works as well. And I think it should have stayed a, a normal-sized, you know, uh, demon. Kid. But. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. well, and there's there's a there's a follow-up to the ending of this scene of something that might have added, something that might have been added in, but it was not. Um, so Hannah's in the kitchen with the demon. She runs out of the kitchen. Demon... She moves a drink tray in front of the entrance to the kitchen, and he jumps on top of the drink tray, uh, hops over it. <laughs> she runs into the bathroom, and she locks the door. Uh, the troll demon seems to be, like, laughing. Cut back to the garage. Female gym rat's freaking out, saying they're all going to die. I'm going to die! Um, Hank tries to comfort her and calm her down. You see Ingrid holding onto her mom, and then you get a close-up shot of her mom's cheek with the veins pulsating on her face. And you know that her mom, sadly, is a demon, too. This is actually kind of a heartfelt moment because Ingrid looks up at her mom. Her mom is turning. Ingrid screams. Hank runs over and pulls Ingrid away. The mom, in her guttural voice, says, Help me! Help me! Help me, please! Hank points a shotgun at her and blasts her two times to make sure that she's fully dead. The two times might be a bit excessive. <laughs> <laughs> poor, poor Asia Argento. So much trauma in her. So much trauma in her life at such a young age. And Bobby but I Rhodes, do like. I'm sorry. Bang, bang. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I do yeah, actually. Tank li- the sorry. But I do actually like this scene, though. This is actually one of my favorite scenes because I, I, I always, do too. I always like in zombie movies when someone gets bit and they try to hide it because they think they can, you know, stop it from happening. But I like the fact that she changes, like in the middle of the crowd, like in the middle of everyone sort of around her and there, and and then Hank being the hero. All of this works for me. Yeah, I, th- I totally think this agree. is a good place to put this scene as well because, like what you were saying before, Corey, about the silliness with the, the demon ghoulie, uh, the gremlin ghoulie, um, the the gremlin ghoulie demon. Yeah, I think there's a lot of silliness there with that because it is obviously a muppet and it does take you out of it a bit. But to have this and this is a really serious, impactful scene spliced in between that, I think it lessens the impact of the silliness of the of the gremlin demon. Agreed. It, it does, and sadly, we're back in that scene. Yeah. We're back in Hannah's apartment with the little demon, and he's banging on the walls that uh, on the outside of the room that she's in, causing the lights to flicker and the door to rattle. Hannah has the wherewithal to grab a towel, though, and the demon opens up the door. Hannah throws a towel over its head and runs out of the bathroom, oh, which is just kind of Stomp smart. it! Don't run! Yeah. Fucking stomp I know. it! Well, she has said child in yeah. her belly, so, you know. Uh, the demon rips through the top through the towel hannah goes into her closet her very thin shutter door closet a la laurie strode in mm-hmm. in uh, halloween uh demon searches for her starts ripping the shutters of the closet she tries to hold it back 
She blasts the door open, knocking the demon over, running into her bedroom while she's grabbing her belly, running into her living room, sorry, grabbing her belly. She's now in the living room, laying on top of the, she falls on top of the couch that she was working out on earlier while the demon comes closer to her. She's panicking, freaking out. Demon lunges at her. She runs out of the way. Uh, The demon lands on the couch. She pulls a switch and the couch closes and falls up, folds up into the wall like a Murphy bed. We're not done with this scene, by the way. There's, it's coming back. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> Sadly. I know. Yeah. And I'm Cut just like, to... oh, I wish it was done. <laughs> yeah. Me too. Yeah. Cut to George and Mary, middle name, the last name, prostitute, getting, uh, finding the escape hatch in the elevator, the top of it. Uh, George gets out first. He reaches in to grab Mary, but she's now turned into Mary, middle name, the last name, prostitute, but she's turned into a demon. Mary, now middle name, the last name, demon. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I, I do like how there's a cool, it's the way it's edited and everything. She's like, oh, what about, don't forget about me or something. And you don't see her yeah. face, even though you're seeing it from his point of view. So he quickly right. reaches down, not even thinking. And then she's like, rah, and, and he like kind of jumps back. And I was like, ooh, this is, I just, I like how quickly and how confidently this little scene was edited. Yeah, it's cool. And, and I, I, it's, again, we're not talking about realism here, but he, he jumps onto the cables of the elevator, which are greased heavily, by the way. And he starts going up it like Spider-Man. Yeah. Like he is, or like in Jim Cotta, you know, when, um, <laughs> when uh, Kurt, Kurt, uh, Kurt, whatever his name is, Kurt Thomas. Uh, rest in peace, by the way, is climbing up the cables with his legs sticking straight out. I'm like, damn, that guy's got some serious core. Uh, anyway, hold on, David. In uh, and I know it happened with you, Zach, growing up and here in America uh, gym, during gym class in school, especially like elementary school and shit in the '80s. We had yeah. to climb. We had to climb ropes. Like that was ropes. like one of the things yeah. we had to do. Yeah. I could never do it. I sucked at it. Did you ever well, have to that do that? That makes two of England? us. Yeah, yeah, we had to do it. Yeah, yeah. I, I could never do it. I could never do it. I, 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 used to, I just used to look at it realistically. I said to them, this is the most dangerous thing I've ever seen in my life. Like, why do you want me to do You've got like this inch thin crash pad at the bottom of it, and you want me to climb up there, and around it's like about 30 foot from a hardwood floor. Yeah. I'm supposed to climb up that? Like, no, I'm not going to do it. I actually got I actually I actually got banned from PE at school because I I, wow. I commented too many times on things saying this is ridiculous I don't want to do this and uh, they made me have double maths they put me in another maths group <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> yeah yeah because I just because it was so much bullshit it's just so much stuff like that like this is actually insane like why are we doing this I don't understand why why, why are we putting our lives at risk for this I don't get it right I, I <laughs> picture, like what skill I picture you saying all that but you know you're like six foot tall in fifth grade you know that's <laughs> all touching the ceiling this is it when i was 13 i was six foot three holy shit yeah 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 yeah. so there's there's, so there's pictures of me it's really weird because you see see all these like group pictures of like everyone in my class at school and it's like oh look all the kids and who's that man at the back (laughs) that's that's not a boy that's a man baby that's a man Yeah, completely. He's not just a I man. Will... He's a man's man. He's a man. <laughs> I will say I was able to climb the gym rope. That was one of the few things I was actually good at in, in PE. So Good job. Toot toot. Good job. Uh, <laughs> good job, men. So so Mary tries. She starts climbing the rope. Mary, middle name, the last name, prostitute, hyphen, demon. There you go. Um, starts climbing the ropes, uh, the cables as well after George. But George is able to kick her off the cables and she falls into the elevator. And it's he like a hole in one. I love it. She goes right through the hole. I love that. <laughs> it's really cool. It's really cool. 
But sadly, we're back at Hannah's little demon hut, and the demon has ripped through the wall of the cool uh, Nagel walk-off, the Nagel knockoff picture. Um, and Hannah now looks for things to basically fight the demon with. She grabs like gardening scissors and starts trying to cut the demon's fingers. They, they look like demon scissors. fingernails. Yeah, they, they yes. look like um, fingernail cutters for a, for like an animal. They they, they, they the, the, the way they curve, the way they curve, they look like what you do dogs nails with and stuff. Yes, yeah, you're right. But there's no pets there or anything. So that's why I questioned. Are they? That's who the dog belongs to. We figured it all out. Ding ding ding. And then she grabs what we all have in our apartment: acid. Right. <laughs> well, hold on. <laughs> yeah, so, so the yeah, she she gra- she has a beauty supply table. Yeah, and with it acid. just so happens she's got sulfuric acid on there. <laughs> and she pours it all over the demon. The demon starts smoking and retreats back into the hole. That thing's Cut screaming back. at this point. My brain is melting inside my skull. The noise <laughs> that thing is making is just—it's it's just too much. It's insane. This it just—it does go on annoying. too long. It just go on too long. Yeah, this scene definitely should have been excised. Um, I th- well, and and so we're almost at the end of that scene. Um, uh, well, we'll talk about that in a second. Yeah, so, I'm very interested. Cut back to George in the elevator. He's almost made it to the top. When he gets to the top, he kicks the roof off the panels that are above him, slowly gets out, gets out right before the elevator starts ascending, starts moving. The power suddenly is back on in the elevator, and the elevator goes up to the top, which doesn't track, but whatever. Uh, he gets out right before it crushes him, and Mary, middle name the, last name prostitute hyphen demon, is there to try to get him. He takes the panel that he had kicked off, and he picks it up and bashes her over the head, knocking her back into the elevator, and he runs off to get Hannah. Real quick, I was waiting for, uh, remember the scene in Mission Impossible 1 where Emilio Estevez gets oh, like killed by the yeah. spikes or Brutal. something? Brutal. Yeah. And I was like, oh, where's where's the spikes that all elevators, you know, have on the roof, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't we all have, like, the, you know, these horrific uh, sadomasochistic spikes? Yeah. <laughs> to stop the elevator, I guess? I don't know. <laughs> that, that that scene stuck with me after Mission Impossible One, dude. Because you saw it go like go into his eye or something. Yeah, it's really gross. I think it goes in his throat too, like a la, um, you know, Cannibal Holocaust or something. Yeah. Cut to Hannah's apartment. Hannah's standing in the middle of the apartment when the couch comes down on top of her, and the demon is now on her shoulder. The demon's clawing at her. He's now on top of her belly. She's on the ground. George comes in just in time to save the day. He grabs an umbrella at the door and jams the umbrella through the back of the demon's head and pushes it through a wall, takes the umbrella, it crushes the demon's skull, and the demon dies. So what I read online was that originally the demon, maybe it was the demon child, little Joey Lawrence, was supposed to rip her belly open and pull the baby out. Oh, wow. And that was going to be her demise. That was what one possible idea was going to be with her character, that she was not going to make it. I'm, I'm glad that didn't happen, to be honest yeah, that's with you. Too oh, me much. too. That's too it much. It would have been yeah. way too much. Yeah. Now, I will say she gets what she deserves because this scene opens with her looking way too pleased with herself, uh, you know, with that demon thing. She's like, hmm, yeah. look what I did. And then she gets what she deserves. Yeah, but that thing's Agreed. all over in this scene. I just feel like it could have been blocked a lot better, this scene with that thing, because the fingernails are all over her and it feels like that threat of getting scratched just yeah. is kind of null and void in this because it's you're, you're seeing these fingernails on her flesh. 
but you're not seeing the scratches, you're not seeing, and it and it just kind of takes the threat away of that. Yeah, I think it really yeah. dolls it all down. So, and I I think they should have done something with this, but uh, I don't know. It's I th- well, we get to the ending. Ending. I think that, that that was something that needed a punch at the end. Like the first one, you had that punch, but I think there was something. I'm glad she lived here, but I think something like that needed to happen towards the end. Uh, yeah, agreed. Cut back to the garage and all hell is about to break loose because all the demons come down into the garage. Cars are driving everywhere. Cars are flipping over, uh, going like over. Well, there's you don't see the ramps, but they're like one car is launching over another car. The demons are battling everybody. They're jumping over the cars into the uh, little corral that the that Hank and the gym rats have made. Um, uh, Hank is shooting guns. People are throwing axes at demons as they're leaping over in this melee over the cars. Um, at one point, Hank is like killing one demon after another and gets on top of a car, but a demon grabs him by the crotch. <laughs> Hank screams in agony and he's most likely dead. If not, he's a eunuch. Yeah. Hank's, uh, Hank's dick gets destroyed. I mean, they grab it like a whole chunk of it and he's like, <laughs> yeah, it's total cock chaos. Uh, it, chaos. <laughs> this is really so there's some people hanging like hi, there are some people hiding in cars but they don't forget they forget to close the sunroof so demons are jumping through the car and pulling them out through the sunroof or, or getting pulled uh, it, through the front windshield and that's kind of where i wanted to see like the girl's face getting ripped off or something yeah. as she's getting pulled out the windshield it's just yeah there was no like set piece kills in this well, that, I think that speaks to you, you both of you describing that this film was probably, you know, rushed and things that could have been played out a little bit longer, a la more like classic Italian horror in that way. But it just wasn't. It would felt like it just it's it just like it got cut for pacing. I, I think I, I think that there could have been a topper on this scene. I think there could have been a cherry on the top of this scene. And I think they really missed a beat. And I'll let you get to it. But. Oh, I, I agree. Because yeah, so yeah, yeah. Ingrid's Ingrid now, who's who's traumatized, clearly, she's like the only kid down there. Um, her dad puts her in a car to, quote unquote, keep her safe while he goes and battles the different demons. Her dad gets killed pretty quickly soon after that. Ingrid's crying out, Papa, Papa, Papa. Papa. Sounds like Papa, Eleven on Stranger Things. <laughs> Papa, Papa. And suddenly you cut to... Uh, you cut to Sally, who's in, who's down there, and she's panicking and crying, like out of these guttural moans. And she's like, look at my hair. Look at my shoulder pads. <laughs> I'm kidding. She doesn't say that. But you get that vibe. Like, is that why she's crying? Because she doesn't like the way she looks? Maybe. Because uh, she's so vain in, 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 in her human form. She's crying out. And then all of the quote-unquote humans are now dead, except for Ingrid in the car. And the demons surround the car. And that's when Sally makes his guttural cry and the demons run off. But you never see what happens to Ingrid. David, do you have thoughts? I have many Do you have thoughts, thoughts about that moment? I, I, I think this is one of the most disappointing parts of the film. I think, well, everything, all the Corey's criticism about the fact that you didn't see any of these set pieces of people going through windows and getting torn to shreds and all that kind of stuff. I think you could have made up for it with this. And I don't think you'd have to go the way of just having those demons all but there's two ways you could have done this and something that plays back into demons one was talking about giving them that kind of evil characteristics like greta had she had that devious kind of quality to her right i mean 
there's two things you could have done, and one of them is they all burst through the windows while Sally stands there laughing and they tear her to pieces. Everything's on fire down there. You could have had you could have had all those demons press against it and then one of the demons maybe just get like a can of gas, smash through the top of the the, 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 the sunroof of the car, pour it over Ingrid, and they just all stand back laughing and they watch her burn in the car. It should have been like for Argento, for Argento, where he's known for those set pieces where he's known for these really elaborate deaths, these really gory things, and he's killed his daughters in all these other films. I think this scene needed that. It needed something to really push it over the edge, and I think that would have been that would have been the chef's kiss on this scene. Like, oh yeah, that was te- that was really nasty. And I think totally you could have played into that. I think you could have played into that thing where they where they have that devious quality, like they do something. Like I said, like they they watch her burn in the car. She tries to get out. They're swiping her. They make her stay in the car so she burns. You could have done something interesting with it, but you, get, you literally get nothing. You literally get You could have had an explosion. Zero. Explosion. Yeah. The car and burns and it blows up, and you just get like a puppet of her in there, like beating the windows or something, and they're all just around laughing, then they run off. Just something. Right, yeah. Agreed. I, I completely agree. I mean, it is a really cool shot when you see the demons uh, pressed against the window from... It's terrifying. Her, from her point of view, yeah. But yeah, that's that's it. And yeah, I agree with you 100%. This needed something to, to kind of punch it home. It, it, but it, it feels like that... Surely there must have been something filmed for this. That's what I've always wondered about this. It feels like they might have done something and it just didn't work, so they just cut it the way... Because they... it just feels... It, like, knowing these two directors who are acting where like, Argento's acting as producer now, it just feels like such a missed opportunity. It feels like an opportunity they shouldn't have missed in this scene, in this film. And it, yeah. and it's... Yeah, it's, it's a letdown. There's, there's another... It, it's, I'll, I'll be honest, it's this and the ending that I really I... feel like... <sighs> okay. You, you took you took the blood right out of my mouth because I was just about to say the same thing. The the yeah. ending, which we're almost at, by the way, and 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 we will get to that very quickly to to, to break down and discuss. But um, but before we get to that, cut to George and Hannah, and George is like, "We got to get out of here, right? We got to go to the roof." And he goes to he he goes to the stairway near his uh, apartment and looks down and he can see that the demons are coming up. And there's a great Hannah's shot like, where they all look up at the same time. Amazing. Very cool. Yeah. yeah, with those glowing eyes. Yeah. And some of them are it doesn't track because some of the eyes are like red yeah. at one point. Yeah, when they're going yeah, down the yeah. hallway. But but it, it still gets a pass because it's still a cool effect um, to me. And so you know she's like, "Don't leave me here." And he goes, "I'm not going to leave you here." And uh, while he goes in, like, he gets his climbing gear, right? And Sally goes into, and Hannah goes into Sally's apartment, and then it sees that it's torn up. But the birthday cake is still there. She, wants some she of that walks over to the birthday cake. cake. She didn't get it earlier. Still, un, still <laughs> untouched. And there's blood on it. And what does she do? She takes a piece of the frosting and then gets grossed out by it. Which I'm, I'm like, wait a minute, you touched the blood. Mm, could this come back? But it doesn't. It should. Yeah. Yeah. It should. She hears a weird sound. She turns around slowly. George is going down his climbing gear. So, sorry. George is going to the stairs with his climbing gear. He goes over to like a heating vent or like a gas, like a gas vent. And he breaks uh, the gas because he tells Hannah that he's got to stop the demons from coming. He's got to like basically stop the demons from coming up and then they can go to the roof. Uh, they start to come up the stairways he lights his uh, lighter and suddenly Sally's like leading the charge with the zombies. He throws the lighter at the demons and the gas pipe 
and suddenly the explosion goes off, killing a bunch of the demons. George runs back upstairs where Hannah's screaming, calling for her. He finds her, but then he finds Olga and uh, Danny. And Danny's like, I'm sorry, we were the ones that frightened her. Now there's four of them. For a second. Four of them for a moment, yeah. (laughs) Four of them go up the stairs to get to the top of the roof. And Olga and Danny are in front of them. And now Hannah's starting to go through contractions, like she's going to have her baby. But he's encouraging her, telling her, you know, you can make it, you can make it. And suddenly Danny and uh, Olga have stopped on the stairway. And Danny's kind of turned away from Olga, turns around, and he's a demon. Olga starts freaking out. George runs over and knocks Danny over the edge of the stairway, flails down to the bottom of the stairway where you just see his body just thump on the ground. Yeah, it's a dummy, but I don't care. It's a great effect. I think that's I the like best it. dummy I've ever seen. Yeah. The arms it's really cool looking. The arms don't buckle. The, arm, the legs don't <laughs> knot up. The, everything works perfect on that dummy. That, if that was done on the first take, I'd be right. We're done. Like, just that, we're, we're no more. Nothing's going to be as good as that. Yeah. Right, right. And I, and I forgot to mention earlier, George had, you know, said, you know, when he grabbed his climbing gear, he said that he play, he took a, a search and rescue course or something like that. And that's why he's like, these courses are going to pay off for me, you know. <laughs> and uh, they get to the roof finally, the three of them. And George hooks up his rope carabiner system to a pipe. Hannah looks panicked, but he puts on his climbing gear. Cut to Sally rising from the pile of dead demons. Up the stairs. And, Cut back and to one George. of her eyes, like she has one of them is white and the other one looks normal. But I think at some point they're going to imply that she's blind. But I yeah. like how she's yes. kind of like has one contact and one not. She she got fucked up by the explosion. She sure. And rightfully so. Yeah. It's cool that that tracks yeah. at least. Cut back to George and Hannah. Oh, and Olga. Oh, sorry. And Olga, because suddenly out of nowhere, Olga has turned into a demon and he throws her over the side of the building. So though these two, <laughs> Olga and Danny or whatever his name is, it, it feels like they split up that the vent thing, but it, it just it's nowhere near as good as the vent scene in the first one. No way. Yeah, Agreed. nothing like Agreed. it. Hannah looks at George and she asks if they're going to make it, and he says, of course. This is when he says, remember those rescue courses we took last summer? <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly out of nowhere... Sally's made it to the top of the roof and she's running towards George and Hannah in slow motion. And it's a beautiful shot that in the, and I clearly they love the shot making the movie cause they're going to reuse it. Yeah. She's like doing the slow motion Baywatch style running towards them. It's very creepy, very freaky. I, I agree though. I love it. It's actually my favorite shot in the whole movie. Yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. Same. But George and Hannah at this point have made, made it over the side of the, ho- of the building and they're descending down the rope the repelling the come on buddy sorry you know this from gi joe the repelling <laughs> the repelling where the hell is uh tightrope and uh ripcord there you or go. whoever <laughs> it was bazooka and well i don't know anyways alpine sorry alpine. where's alpine yeah, that's who it is. Yeah. <laughs> come on bazook um but sally grabs the rope and she starts descending rip while well, she's descending down the rope <laughs> kind of spider style yeah that's cool and it's really cool because they make it down to the bottom. They make it. They make it to like the 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 midway point of this high rise. Uh, they don't make it to the bottom bottom of the of the building. And she comes down and starts battling George. And George picks up a uh, pipe and he spikes it through her chest. She lets out this agonizing scream. Hannah starts having more contractions as George helps her, and they walk away. So now they make it to the end of this uh, 
level where there's a spiral staircase that leads them down into another building. When they get down there, they realize that they're like in a TV studio and it's deserted, but it also looks like a theater where they, well, like a live audience yeah. could be in the background. Yeah, right? yeah. And, it's uh, like a talk show, isn't it? It's like yeah. they've been filming a talk show or something there, yeah. Totally. And you see all the camera monitors and the footage, like the, the yeah. video equipment and everything. And it looks like uh, the Zardoz head uh, sculpt uh, prop is in the background, too. In one yeah, of the shots. I wrote that down. Zardoz. I have that in my notes. <laughs> it is the Zardoz mask from the, yes. And um, suddenly George flips a switch on and power comes on. He says the place is deserted and she, Hannah's like, because the monsters were here. And George and George says, no, that was just in our building. We're out of there now. Like, and I think my thinking is he says that because there's power in this building and there's no power except for the elevator. Yeah, okay. uh, hmm. You know, that kind of makes sense to me in my mind. And suddenly she's like, well, I wish I could believe you. And she asks where they are. And he says, you know, it's a video. It's uh, it's a video place from the building next door. And suddenly you see all the equipment in the Zardoz mask. He lays her down on a mattress that just happens to be on the ground. So clearly they film pornos there. <laughs> um, and then there's a camera that's he and he's like, look, there's a fa- there's a camera filming us. And there's a bunch of TV monitors. Her contractions start getting worse. George is comforting her. And suddenly you hear a scream, and while she's screaming, uh, you you get like quick cuts of the exterior of the German like the the river that they were at, and then you hear a baby cry, and Hannah's given birth. Hannah's concerned, and she asks if the baby's okay, and George says it's a boy, it's beautiful, and she goes it's not beautiful, it's gorgeous, he's gorgeous. And then she basically asks him to like take the baby away or like go get supplies or something, so he's starts to leave with the baby and he's walking down like a behind a curtain where the studio is. And on the other side of the curtain, Sally appears staggering in Hannah screams out to George. Sally's looking maniacal and crazed and she's walking closer to Hannah, but she's struggling to move around. And then that's when George realizes that she's in fact blind. Yeah. Hmm. And Hannah struggles to get up and, Sally is making weird guttural noises and she flops to the ground and she suddenly dies, which is kind of weird. You don't really get a a climactic battle like. No, no. And what you're about to get really quickly. So so George gives Hannah their baby. Music kicks in really loud and you see and Sally, you see Sally on the monitors from when she's running. The same shot that we saw. As, yeah. as viewers is now on the TV monitor, which completely adds to the whole dreamlike quality of things. Yeah, it does. And, and then you have to take yourself back to, oh, is this when Sally was in her room? And is the zombie going to come out of the TV? But we never find out if that could happen because George picks up his climbing tool a la Alpine and starts smashing all the TV monitors with the said tool and destroys all of them. They leave the TV studio comforting each other, give each other a very passionate kiss. It's now daytime. They're walking out into the daylight sky, hopeful, but yet pensive. The scene freezes and the credits roll to the cult, the end of demons. But let's discuss this last sequence really quick, guys. David, go ahead. I think uh, they run out of money and they run out of ideas. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, every, no, I don't. I I'm think not the world dried you. up. Yeah, I just think the world dried up at the end. Um, I really do. I think it's. I, I remember, like I say, like when I first found this thing on VHS back in the nineties. I remember just feeling completely unsatisfied then when we got to the ending. Um, uh, I mean, you're right. Sally does need something because she's so been so integral to everything else. She is the she is the lead demon. For better or worse, in this whole thing, she is the one you fo- the one demon you follow through on everything, and she does need that satisfying end. And I think what if they're if you're just adding to what we've got, I think you needed to have that scene again where she's pressing to come out of the yeah. TV screen like the original demon, and she starts to come through, and he takes that axe and then smashes straight into that while she's coming out, kind of like T one thousand. When he's when he's frozen, and so she's yeah. coming out like that, and he smashes like a glass kind of replica of of Sally pushing out, and the whole bank of TVs explode, and just something something satisfying, like even that, it does it doesn't make any more sense than what we've got now, but it's something visually that's satisfying to see her get that final death, because what we get doesn't really make sense, and they and if you, and I don't know if you guys saw this, but they cheaped out as well because when he's smashing those TVs. A lot of those are just light bulbs with like acetate images of, of her running. Yeah, her, it's yeah, not actually, I, yeah, I yeah. It's not yeah. actually a TV screen. Yeah, yeah. And so you can tell that 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 when you see that, you're like, oh, okay, yeah, you didn't try there. You didn't <laughs> it's kind of cool me. looking, but then you realize that it's a cheap effect, and it's, it's really cool. cheap. And I like, and I think, I think the the idea of what they were maybe opening up with that, like you know. She, even though she's the real her is dead over there, then there's yeah. one that could still be coming out over here. Like you almost have this. I, I don't know. I think there's a cool idea of having. You could have even had a um like sort of an army of darkness scenario where multiple of hers her comes out, and if they're on the tiny little monitor, they actually come out small, you know. And if they're on a bigger That'd monitor, they kind of come out big, and it could be funny. But uh, yeah, it's it just feels. But how like cool it would that would have been? Out. So let's say there's one big monitor in the middle, and the smaller ones around it, and they all come out. To Together and he just yeah. gets the big one, smashes it, and the whole thing just blows up, and that's yeah. it. That's it's something satisfying. It doesn't make any more sense than what we've got, but it's satisfying. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There's something there that makes sense in the context that you're watching. Okay, he blew it up. She's gone. That she's not coming back. But with this, it's 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 neither here nor there, really, is it? With what is actually happening and the satisfaction you need that like how many of these films have we seen like where you get to the end bad guy and they get blown up in some spectacular way and it, and there's a satisfaction to it you know and that you don't get that with this and then you then, no. then you don't get the satisfaction of anything happen i mean i don't know it's, it's weird like would would you i think we all thought it when we watched it that that baby was going to be a demon. Yes, absolutely. Yes. And I think it's in, it pushes that kind of narrative that way because that music kicks in, doesn't it? When she's giving right. birth, and you're like, oh, okay, now something's gonna. And it and it and it, there's no satisfaction with that. And I'm not saying I would have been satisfied with seeing a demon baby, but you just needed something. Do you know what I mean? You'll be you you keep building right. up to something. It's very much like the scene in the parking garage where you get that build up. Oh, something's going to happen, and you get nothing. And that scene and the ending, it, it, you just feel like that, that's how it feels. That there's something, something. No, actually, the, you, you're not going to get a thing from it. And I think that they're, they're the two, those two, these two scenes are the, the big letdowns for me. They are the big letdowns for this. I was hoping they go some revisit the documentary style in the beginning, like they started with, and have suddenly someone watching it, you know, 
yeah. from their perspective, watching this documentary and turning the power off and going, wow, that was crazy. And then suddenly hearing like people screaming and then the movie ends with this. What if like a documentary within a documentary kind of thing? Yeah. Even if you had, if, even if, you know, you've got the cameras there and the cameras are on Sally at the end, even if the camera somehow spun around to them and just filmed them after they've the Sally demons blown up with all the TVs and it just ended on them. And and you just got like the end over it, like it like that right. was part. Of, they they were somehow part of the documentary that was being made, and it all kind of ties together like that. Uh, and and they and the, the 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 mystical force that made this documentary that come to life actually filmed ended in reality with them defeating the demons, and you just get the like the title card, the end of them stand, so, just something like that. Then let them leave, like their story's over with these demons. They can leave and they can be happy now. They could have piggybacked off Demons 1 with this mystery, mysterious force that's, uh, you know, powering the uh, projectors at the movie theater. Yeah. Could, is kind of, I feel like they were starting to tap into that at the movie, at the TV studio yeah. with these with this like empty studio, just like the empty projection booth. But they just didn't ex- execute that. And what we're left with is a quote unquote happy ending because the heroes live. But it, yeah, it's definitely falls flat it definitely feels like they just rushed it um overall and i'll just say my thoughts quickly before i pass on to everybody else hand it over to everybody else um as disappointing as this movie is at times it's still hilariously bonkers and in like a dead alive kind of way so to speak and uh there, there are enough positives for me to say go check this movie out if you've never seen it uh it's a nice it's a it's a lesser sequel to the superior original. Mm. However, you know, it's got a, so many weird, wild things throughout. It's a fun watch. It's, again, as many of these movies are that don't hit very well, it's a great movie to watch with a bunch of people because you can laugh your ass off, and at the end you're like, what did we just watch kind of thing? Uh, that's my final thought. But I'll go to We'll leave it with David at the end because who can wrap it up? But uh, Corey, what are your final thoughts about Demons Two? Yeah, pretty much the same as as yours, and I'm pro- I'm thinking the same as David's as well. Um, I love Demons One. I very much enjoy Demons Two. Um, the first two acts of Demons Two, I think, are a real highlight. Um, the third act is where it does fall flat, and we've all now discussed multiple ways that it could have been better. And I think all of those ways that both you guys and you know myself included brought up, I think those would have worked. But we know we we kind of have an idea what happened behind the scenes. So does that give it a pass? No, it, it doesn't. You know, it doesn't give it a pass. But I think there's much more to enjoy in this movie than there is to not enjoy. My least favorite part is the the Uncle Impy demon thing, um, but some of my favorite parts are the very human moments that this movie does does well. And I very much enjoy Hannah and, and George. I like them as a couple. I don't want to see something bad happen to them at the end, but at the same time, this movie kind of, it's one of those movies where it feels like it should, you know? It feels like something should have happened at the end, if, even if it is, with them walking out to the, you know, to in the credits start rolling, and maybe they're aware of the credits. Maybe they're aware of the confines of the TV that they're in, you know, and kind of give it uh, a cemetery man sort of yeah. ending where where they kind of he's you remember that one scene where he finds out a that he's globe. in like a in, in a the yeah. snow globe. Have something yeah. like that where all of a sudden right. 
they see the credits that are coming up, you know, and they're like, what the fuck is this type of thing? So that would be cool. That would have been cool, yeah. but but that's not the movie we have. The movie we have, I I would have But that's not what we have. You know, and we can't. <laughs> like, you wanted you wanted a Tesla. I got you a Hyundai. Said, this is what you want. This is what you get. This, this is what you want. This is, this is what you get over here. But, you know, I think that it's 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 perfect that the Synapse Blu-ray has both of these combined. You know, it's a two-disc set. It's Demons 1 and Demons 2. I think they fit so well back-to-back. This is, this is lesser, but as a whole, I love the two of them combined, and I think they do a great job of continuing the story here and— you know, if you've never seen it before, I highly recommend watching Demons 2 uh, right after Demons 1. It's a perfect double feature, back-to-back. But this is lesser of the two. David? David, yeah. take us home. Well, I completely agree with everything. I think we really do fall on the same page with this one. Um, I think it's a shame. I think we could have had... I think that I think the things that really kill it for me is the screaming demon scene, the the gremlin <laughs> demon thing. I think that needed to be severely cut down. Just the noise of it after a while was like, Jesus Christ, can it just stop? It's um, really bad. It's really bad. I think that needed, and the puppet is not the best. It's the it's the eyeballs. It's got those. It, it looks like a muppet. It looks yeah. like a muppet. Yeah. Um, it doesn't fit in with anything else. That was bad. Um, you needed that set piece for. Uh, in the car park with Asia Argento. You definitely needed something there to give that whole thing a punch. And I think that's where it starts falling apart. I think you get to that yeah. part, like you say, that last third, and that punch isn't there for that. And you expect it from these filmmakers. You expect it to go that extra mile to do something horrible in that scene. And I think you could have got away with it there. And you guys have seen uh, He Knows You're Alone, the Tom Hanks thing. Have you seen that? The uh, Is it He Knows You're Alone? Or... Oh yeah, yeah. For the eighties, he knows you're alone, yeah. isn't it? It is, yeah. isn't it? The eighties slasher, yeah. Yeah, yep. That's and in that originally, movie. Tom Hanks was supposed to die, and when he got to set, and they were working with him, like, oh no, yep. we really like this guy. We don't want to kill his character, and he just right. he just lives. He just disappears from the film. And right. I f- kind of feel that with the two main characters in this, you get to a point. It's like, well, we kind of like them. We don't want them to have the demon baby, and we don't want one of them to die. Right. And you can get away with that with a lesser character, and he knows you're alone. With Tom Hanks disappearing because he wasn't the lead, but in this, I think you just need that. You need that punch at the end. You need a satisfying death to Sally, and you need some sort of punch with them. And I'm not saying I think the demon baby would have been obvious and cheesy, but I don't necessarily want that. But I want something from it, and, I, and it's, it's the satisfaction factor. And I don't think there is that with this ending. But, but it also makes me think is when you look at the freeze frame. If you look at, at Hannah's expression. It does look like she's looking at something slightly aghast. Like, oh, she can, she's going to react to something. What, what's she looking at? Is the city in chaos again? Is it something? But it freeze right. frames there, and you, and you never really know. And I think it's, I think it's that, I think it's that last third that that just drops it down a level. I, I would say the other one. I, th- I can't remember. Did I give it a score? No, we, 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 we don't really was, use. We, no, I, I didn't. Yeah. I, but Corey. I would say I would say I know I know we don't. But no, we don't do that. Yeah. But I I would say like demons for me personally. Like I said, it was in my top three, and I'd say that's like a, a solid nine. I'd say this would be like a seven point five. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because it's just okay. just the, yeah. just that tiny that's bit fair. that's lacking. It's enough there. And I mean, I, I think you did a really good job breaking that down, Zach, because this thing's so kinetic and all over the place. It's just insane. As you were going through it, it made me really realize how fast paced and insane. 
this move. It's move really is fast paced, and yeah. and we gave it ample time to grow and to 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 kind of permeate. And you know, clearly, we're at over three hours now, Jeez, uh, breaking it down. But but yeah. it, but there's a lot to chew on, yeah, and is. it is interesting. We spent the majority of the time talking about the first third of the film, yeah. the first mm. two thirds, and the yeah. last third just go by really quickly, and then it's done. So, I think that's a good way to say, you know, th- this movie is flawed. But at the end of the day, it, it's got a lot of bits that are that you can really chew on and have fun with. Yeah. Would you have liked to have seen a a, a real Demons Three back in the eighties? Yes, I I would happily watch a Demons Three now. Did you see the Arrow comic that was with one of the releases? They did a Demons no. Three comic, yeah, and it was about demons coming through the internet. Oh, cool! That was that was yeah yeah go. that that was yeah that was an idea that was out there. Well, sadly, that came true because we have too many people on the internet who argue, inspect other people's things. <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> Yes. So I want to just say, as we wrap up really quickly, David, uh, where where can we find you on the social media accounts and such? And where uh, can we buy your books? You can buy my books on Amazon. Just put David Irons into Amazon. Uh, don't go to Wheelchair Camp, Wolf Moon, all good stuff out there. Don't go to Wheelchair Camp 2. You can roll, but you can't hide. It's coming out in November. It's been slightly postponed, but it's coming out soon. It's just, uh, that's the new one. So you can, if you like summer camp, summer camp slashers, Go and check that out. And I'm David Irons at David Irons Writer on Instagram. And just David Irons on Facebook. You can find me. I'm out there. Uh, we have all the links in the show notes. So we, we have all the So links. go to all those links, yeah. buy his books, support support our friends, our artists. So just and thank you for supporting the show. Corey, where uh any updates you want to give us about Carpenter Factor or Yeah, well we're Cartwright coming or anything like that. Well, Carpenter Factor on Patreon, uh where Zach and I are going through every single movie or TV episode that uh, John Carpenter is directing. He has to direct it. Um, and that's what we're kind of uh, tackling. Uh, we've been doing it for about two years now, and we may have to extend it with his new TV show, uh, Suburban Horrors, Suburban Nightmares. I don't know what it's called. Um, but Zach and I right now are uh, waiting to see uh, if he's actually directing any episodes particularly. And if so, we will tackle them uh, after the ward. So we thought we were going to end it in December, but I think it may have to go off into a couple months and who knows into 2023. So we'll see, but that's, that's a little thing that we were like, Oh my God, like it's like just happening. So we've kind of had to switch gears and everything, but we're having a blast going through all of John Carpenter's stuff, the, the good and the bad. And of course, David has joined, uh, joined us on a few episodes as well. Uh, the good and the bad episodes, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, Zach, um, since, since this episode's kind of wrapping up the end of October spooky season for both $2 late fee and podcast after dark. Can you give people a little bit of a, of a clue as to what's happening in November with $2 late fee? Yes, we are launching one of my favorite movies of all time. And I've, we, we've actually broken it down here on podcasting after dark. Um, if you want to know what it is, you can go to $2 late fees, Patreon, patreon.com slash $2 late fee for more info on that. By the time that this drops, uh, the Territory Marks episode for October should be coming out, out around the same time. And we're doing a creepy episode of Territory Marks, uh, a match from the 80s, which involves a satanic wrestler and someone getting stabbed in the chest. So if you want to know what that is, check out Paul London and myself as we wrap up 
$2 late fees, Lost Boys uh, creepy Halloween month with Territory Marks. Nice. I love it. I love it. I've been on Territory Marks, and it's a great show. So go check that out, and go check out everything David's been working on, and uh, you know, go leave five-star reviews for $2 late fee for Podcasts After Dark. Uh, if you have picked up some of David's books, leave a review on Amazon. The way the algorithm works, just all these reviews help everything. So you know, help any podcast, yeah. any podcast you, you listen sure to, any you know, local author, independent author you pick up, leave a, a five-star review. Just help, help them out. It's always a free way to help people out. Um, but this was a blast, David. I'm really glad yeah. we got a chance to do this. Zach, you did a fantastic job breaking down Demons 2. Like David said, it's a kinetic movie, and you did a great oh. job keeping it moving Yeah, you forward. really did, man. So Thanks. I don't think I left anything out, but if I did, I'm sure someone will call me. That's right. Someone's and, already crashed on that highway. <laughs> as the camera is shaking out of control. Yeah. And as always... We'll see you on the dark side, Ripper! Be sure to subscribe to Podcasting After Dark and give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Support Podcasting After Dark on Patreon. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Podcasting After Dark. And visit us next time for another installment of Podcasting After Dark with Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer. Have you been wondering where's the beef? Well, on our podcast, Throwback Trivia Takedown, you might just find that out, as well as some other things about the 70s, 80s, and 90s. We're a nostalgic-based trivia show that pits two challengers head-to-head in a duel of the decades, with categories ranging from movies, TV and music, to slang, food, and fashion. You're sure to get the best in retro-themed trivia. So strap on your jelly shoes, grab a surge, and walk like an Egyptian to your favorite podcast app and check out Throwback Trivia Takedown. I heard even Mikey likes it.